and we're rolling. Welcome to the Graham Mills Podcast. It's good to be back, Graham. And I am here, Damien. <laughs> and it is good to have you back, my friend. Um, so, let's just start off with the horrible news. Yeah. That uh, the Beatles... Jeff. Long-term and, and very well-accomplished... Uh, Sound engineer Jeff Emmerich died this week at 72. Something like that. that. Yeah, I think so. He, um, you know, got very active on social media in the last year or so. I did notice that after he died, I went back to his Facebook page and had, mm. and had a look. Uh, so, for the uninitiated, because uh, he is an unsung hero mm. of modern music, really. Mm. Uh he was started out as the assistant Sorry. engineer on the. Oh Jesus, that's it! Scrap the whole thing. <laughs> Get the fuck God, out. Sorry, I'll stop knocking the microphones around. All right, I've already got one <laughs> f word out of the way too. But he started off as uh, assistant engineer on the Beatles' first record. He was yeah. with them from the beginning. I think he was there really early. I mean, you, you and I have both read his autobiography, and I'm, I'm, you probably more. You read it recently, whereas I read it sort of a couple of years ago. So you might be more yes, but I have detail a, of it. I have a much more vacuous mind. <laughs> I guess so. that eidetic memory you tried to convince all of our high school teachers you had and didn't need to do the homework. No, I, look, I say to Jess all the time. We uh, She had the television on last night when she was cooking dinner and there was an episode of Seinfeld on. And I'm just quoting. I'm walking around the house, not even paying attention to the thing and quoting lines before that happened. Was that the episode where George knocks the kids out of the way at the party? Because <laughs> and then the opposite, which yeah, I think is one of the yeah, greatest yeah, yeah. episodes ever. So good. Uh, but yeah, so I have a head full of useless information, <laughs> the stuff I actually want to retain. Uh, so, but no, I do. I, do I, people I, always tell you you should go on like video games, like uh, not video games, like um, game shows? Like, oh, you know a lot of stuff about that. It's like, no, I know useless shit that game shows oh. don't ask me about. Like people say that to me all the time. You need to go on, like, game shows. I'm like, no, I just know you fucking useless shit. Like, no one cares about the stuff that I know. Oh, absolutely. I have a very narrow... <laughs> yes. A very narrow window of stuff that I know. But that yeah. narrow window is just full of crap. I know. <laughs> My friend Jordan... Um, we were messaging the other day and he said something about... Uh, oh, what was it? Uh, dramatization may not have happened. And just instantly on, the, on Google... We're talking about um, oh, someone full of shit. Yeah. And, okay. <laughs> and hi, James. <laughs> no, we weren't talking about James. But um, we should say hi to Wilco though, because it's always oh, hey, to Wilco. throw out to the listeners. Japanese away, away, Wilco. Away, Wilco. <laughs> I've clearly listened to way too many episodes. Of yes, this thing. <laughs> absolutely. Because I've been binge listening to every past episode. In preparation for today. so I have actually gone back and listened to uh, the first series. I'm doing uh, air quotes there. Yeah. Um, and uh, very interesting. Very interesting. I can't stand listening to myself. Uh, I'm just constantly going... <laughs> I can't imagine. Idiots. And at the end of the day... <laughs> at the end of the day... Fudge it. So fudge it all. <laughs> So many great... Um, isms yeah but uh but yeah so uh, but it, it really did stick with it it was a great definitely to my memory at the moment that the jeff emmerich book is probably the best mm. bio that i've read yeah i've read a couple of beatles bios i think that one gave me the most insight into what i really like 
his all the stuff they did in the studio that that kind of you know he's very unassuming yeah. and uh i don't get the f- i didn't get the feeling at all that there was any sort of drama placed on it was very sort of matter of fact yeah it, it t- tells a, a very good story it's a really good narrative the way yeah. that he tells the story of working with them but it is really matter of fact even even the whole you know yoko coming in on a bed just the whole yoko situation you know in and of itself he doesn't make it into a big drama it's not a big soap opera about no, it's, it. sort it's of just like, like this, this happened this happened and even when his own feelings come into it, mm. it's sort of, well, this is how I felt at the time. Yeah. And he's very generous where he'll say, well, maybe maybe I'm looking at it through from my yeah. own opinion, through my own eyes, and maybe that it was oh, different yeah. or maybe somebody had a different opinion of that. But I never got the feeling reading it as dark as it got at times. I never got the feeling like, eh, I think this guy may be stretching the truth a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, but, he was, uh, it was never, he was never... Yeah, he was never overdoing it. It was ne- there was no hyperbole in it at all. It just seemed very matter of fact. I mean, and, and you sort of said, was he there from the beginning? I think he was. I think he was an assistant engineer from from at least the Hard Day's Night. I think Norman Cook was the engineer on the really early stuff. Yes. And then uh, Revolver was when um, Emmerich <laughs> took <Excuse> over. <laughs> Revolver was when Emmerich took over as head engineer yes. for them. And the first thing they recorded was Tomorrow Never Knows. Which is, that in itself is an amazing story. That is phenomenal. Like, and just the way he broke the rules at Abbey Road, you know, like, I mean, all the engineers back then were wearing lab coats and yes. suit and tie. And it was a stuffy, um, elitist place to be. But, you know, he, he was the first person to, in, in England anyway, or at least at Abbey Road, to move a microphone to within inches of a bass drum. Straight away, know. like his first day as... <laughs> In charge yeah. on the job. Yeah. He was shoving microphones. And he could have lost his job for that on the spot. Oh, I know. And he loved, like, they're the, they're the best stories in that book is, like, how, you know, all the crazy... Well, we say crazy. At the time, it was crazy. Now, it's it's commonplace, you know. Well, but because, th- because he, he pioneered Because he did it, you know. I mean, the Americans were probably doing it. That's probably the long and short of it. Yeah, sure. Um, but in England, where they were a lot more conservative about that kind of thing, he, he really sort of pushed the boundaries of that. And, uh, yeah, to, do, to, make, to be the head engineer on tomorrow, and tomorrow never knows which if you haven't listened to it go and find it and listen to it is a crazy um piece of music one of my favorite beatles records not so much the phil collins version (laughs) (laughs) no 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 no. listen we'll get to phil Phil collins (laughs) i love the phil collins version i think it's fantastic um it's um it's if anyone was going to do it justice he does it justice like it's a hard song to pull off um, Absolutely, even just to, even just good. to cover, and and he sort of puts very much puts his own stamp own on it, spin on it without losing too much of the originals. Now, kind of speaking thing. of of him, uh, uh, Emmerich going <laughs> wild and out there and experimenting with things, there is one story in there about him putting a small mic into a condom. <laughs> is that because he wanted it? I think you know, it sound underwater. Yeah, so they. They wrapped the mic in a condom and then put it into like a milk jug or something full of water because... Yes. And I think one of the brass came in, possibly one of the head brass at EMI came in as they were doing that. And I think, I don't know if it was him or one of the actual Beatles had to think fast. And basically they're talking to the boss, one of the bosses from EMI standing there with a condom on their back with a mic in it because it would have meant his ass. Yeah, um, pretty much. But I mean, I think oh, that was just Lennon. I mean, that was like just that. Lennon's classic bullying technique of 
hey, look, uh, you know, I want to sound like I'm coming from underwater. So why don't you put the microphone inside some water so I can sound like I'm coming, like I'm singing like I'm underwater. Well, so I should stop saying coming when we're talking about a content. <laughs> But, uh, but uh, my, 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 my comments that- reflect my own opinions <laughs> and not that of my employer. <laughs> I have to put that disclaimer on everything. My employer does require me to put that on everything. Every <laughs> time. <laughs> so these well, comments are my own and do not reflect that of my employer. <laughs> my comments. My comments are my own That's and right. and reflect the opinions of my employer, which is me, so suck it. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, amazing. And, and back to the, back to the matter of, of the drama of the actual Beatles, man, what a pack of assholes (laughs) apart from McCartney. Now the thing is Paul McCartney sort of has a reputation as being the nice guy, but it's kind of one of those things. Oh, you know, those in the know know that he's really a bit Mm. of a prick. Yeah. Well, no. It, it, it seems that he sort of lived uh, lives up to his reputation very well. The one that surprised me was he's Ringo. a taskmaster. Like I mean, I get professional, the, yeah, professional. I get the opinion that, that Paul McCartney is a is, is a crack of the whip sort of guy. There's a there's a video of him playing with a couple of Elvis's guys who played on That's All Right Mama on on, on YouTube. You can you can search right. for it, and they do a version of That's All Right Mama, and and McCartney's playing with them, and um, the drummer. They, they, they start the song and the drummer misses the, the cue. And like, these are the guys. Uh, 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 Take two, McCartney's on the drums. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, JD, is it JD Fortune or JD Fontaine? I don't, anyway, I can't remember. Um, and uh, Paul McCartney chips him and says, no, 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 you got to wait for me. Like, so he's a taskmaster. He's a perfectionist. Yes. Um, you know, when you do however many takes on Maxwell's Silver Hammer, like, fuck me. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was one. Is that of really the, the cross you want to die on? Well, that was. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was one of the parts of the book where he was talking about late nights there with mm. just Paul just going over the bass parts again and again and again and again. But John Lennon, no surprises, no surprises, absolute asshole. Yeah. The 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 story for a that, different reason. Yeah, different. He yeah, his mind was on a different plane. The story that well, the book uh, starts off. With his first day on the job as the head engineer mm. on uh, Revolver? Revolver, I think, was his first one that he's yes. credited as engineer. Rubber Soul, he was definitely I involved. want to sound like I'm singing from a mountain with the Maharishi. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay. And he says that in the yeah. McCartney would give a lot more uh, uh, specific directions. Like we might need some timpani here, or we yes. <laughs> might need to bring that yeah. instrument up. Whereas yeah. John Lennon would say things like, "I want it to sound more blue." I want to <laughs> precisely, precisely. Once that one story that really that stuck with me, John Lennon there, and I, I might be messing this up a little in my photographic memory here, <laughs> was the story behind uh, Obladi Oblada mm. and how they just went over and over, yeah. talking about McCartney's perfectionism, perfectionism over and over and over and over and over again to the point where just John Lennon just got the got the absolute shits with it, which, yeah. to be honest, from hearing that story, I, I don't sort of blame him. I think everyone was sort of peeling off and getting bored with it so he yeah. goes away apparently to do heroin now, i knew that i knew that heroin that uh that heroin john heroin <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's how much he loved it 
Changes his name. I I knew that that was something in his life later on. Yeah, after yeah, the Beatles, but I didn't, cold didn't realize that that was so much that that he was already into that no, hard stuff that. while he's in the Beatles. But went away, come back, and announced at the top of the stairs, "I am higher. I am higher than you've ever been yeah. or ever will be." Yes. So I'm not doing that in the Lennon no. voice there, but, <laughs> but uh, and then comes and goes, "I'll show you how your fucking song yeah. should go," and then basically gets on the piano and goes, "Dun dun 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 dun." Dun, 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 and that's boom, and that's boom, how boom, it goes how now, it which is just fantastic. What? But what? Really... And I've heard I've heard a lot of the demos of that. There's a lot of bootlegs of the demos, the oh, pre-demos sure. of that around. Um, not just the ones that are on the anthology CDs. I've, I've I've got a lot of other bootleg stuff, and um, yeah, it's it goes through a number of different machinations before they finally get to. Um, the final version, the Lennon high inspired <laughs> version. I mean, uh, yeah, but I mean that's that's about the cracking point because I mean that's what that's White Album. That's when he walks out. That's when Jeff Emmerich says, I "Yeah, he had go. enough. I can't, he had enough. I can't stick around." And I mean, and he he left during the White Album. George Martin wasn't far behind him. I yes. think because um, I think he it's in the book. He says to George Martin, "I can't be around this." Like yes. these days we would say it's a toxic environment, but I don't know what he, he how he sort of worded it. But he said, I've got to go. I can't do this anymore. And George said, oh, can you stay until such and such? And Jeff said, no, 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 I, I'm yeah, going I, I'm right going. now. Oh, I mean, because the pre- the pressure up to that point, like he'd already gone past yeah. the point of no return and still stuck around. But I mean, when he had a, not just him, but when they had their... Uh, they're basically uh, stress relief bottle of whiskey underneath mm. the console. Yeah. There. Yeah. That's, that's not a good environment. And I mean, yeah. you think back to the Beatles and who they were at that time too. It's a hard job to walk away from. Well, exactly. I mean, and he talks about it in the book, you know, like if they want to, if they want to record until four or five in the morning, the expectation was, is that the team would be there. And that wasn't, that was another thing that just, <clears throat> that wasn't how it worked. No. At the time, it was basically a nine to five no. business, at least as far as uh, and they, well, they, I was concerned. And they talk about the sessions being in like three hour blocks, you know, something as nine to 12 and then one to four and then, you know, uh, six to nine or something or other were the sessions that you could book. And that was it, you know, sort of thing. The amazing thing with him too, well, just to, just to finish that off about the mm. Beatles personally, what I was surprised, McCartney that was, was pretty much the impression that I got that He's no nonsense and, and perfectionist, but also personable and yeah. uh, and you know generally just a, an easygoing guy. Yeah. John Lennon, massive prick with issues. Mm. He, uh, yeah, I mean it's easy just to write him off as a prick, but obviously he had he had it, it, personal issues and stuff. But uh, and, and and kind of thank God for it really because I mean that well, obviously come through in his music. But the yeah, ones that exactly. surprised me were George and Ringo. Mm. That and he specifically says, and by that point in the book, you're sort of thinking, well, like I said, that this guy isn't one to uh, fall victim to hyperbole easy. Hmm. Uh, but he says pretty flat out, straight out about Ringo, that the Ringo that you see, the affable, lovable, Liverpudly, and you see in interviews and things like that, is not my experience of Ringo Starr whatsoever. I found it really interesting when he was talking about, you know, the, the whole management of the Apple um, mm. studios. Well, that was going to be my next point. Yeah. yeah. But that's amazing. Like the mismanagement yeah. on behalf of the Beatles who half hated each other and wouldn't even talk to and Paul McCartney yeah. wanted nothing to do with it. You're starting a massive, massive label there and a massive corporation, really. Yeah. And the, 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 the bands and the names that came through 
that place alone. Well, I mean, when you think about James Taylor, Badfinger. What Badfinger? That what a sad story that that band was. I, I never. You know really more about knew. it than I do. I, I I know some of the story, but um, I what a just this another just troubled guy. The yeah. guy Pete Hamm, leader. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I believe so. Uh, just another troubled guy ended up committing suicide. Yeah. Uh, and just could never one of those guys uh, just had his focus in the wrong area. I think yeah. they, they could never be big enough for. It felt like he'd been slighted by the record company or mm. management, and and it was all uh, which they were great bands, and I mean, yeah. but Breaking Bad has cemented cemented them in history. Um, uh, you haven't seen the seen Breaking no, Bad, I but. No. Uh, I can't I'm hear the song. The last person in the world I, who hasn't seen Breaking I, Bad yes. and Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, I have not seen Game of Thrones either. I have. I've read the books. Oh man! And that I that, that was such a massive. That's a whole other topic. We'll yeah, have to come but, back to. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Will shows that Will shows that Damien ex- hasn't seen. <laughs> Will goes heads exploding right now. He's oh, <laughs> a well, big Game of Thrones fan. Well, but, better uh, put his penis away. That's what <laughs> but at the end of Breaking Bad, I mean, well, here we go. I'm so bad at spoiling. <laughs> on this show I like spoilers just way too late your podcast should just be called spoiler alert <laughs> spoilers followed by spoiler alert <laughs> but uh, the end of Breaking Bad without giving too much away well I really am if you haven't seen it sorry <laughs> sorry people and Damien that's alright but uh, the, the song that closes the entire series is Baby Blue yep. uh, which is fitting considering that the meth that, that uh, the main character Walter White makes is has this uh, signature blue yep. crystal colour to it and now I just hear that song. It's a great song, but I like nearly start crying every time I hear that song because it's just such a perfect ending and that song closes out the show. And I'm getting missed. It. It's just the goddamn thing. You're but, breaking up here. But, and, and it's not any much more of a happier story when you read about the real, yeah. the band that made that song. I need to, I need to read more about it. I, I mean, I only know a little bit about um, uh, Badfinger. Um they had some great. They had some great songs. Uh, Baby Blue being one. Well, Come and Get It came on the radio the other day, and well, I said to Susan, "I said this is written by Paul McCartney." Like, this oh, it's, song, he, he's all over it. He's all over. He's, he does backing vocals on it. They, they basically took his exact, and his demo is available. You can hear the Paul McCartney demo, and it sounds exactly like the released version. Now, just as an aside, do you know the genesis of that song? That is a soundtrack song, right. very specific to the plot of a Peter Sellers movie with Ringo Starr in it. And it is one of them the, called the magic Christian the magic Christian. It is hands down one of the, if not the weirdest ass movie I haven't I've seen the movie. ever seen in my right. life. <laughs> it is bizarre okay. to the umpteenth degree. It, it's basically the, the premise of it. And it's, it's one of those things where it, it, I can, under, I can, the, the plot is understandable enough, mm. but it's just full of just scenes that are just weird as hell. Wow. Uh, Yul Brenner in drag. On a scale of zero to, uh, magical mystery tour. Where's that scale? Speaking uh, of the Beatles. Very, very, uh, it's a very good comparison, actually. Magical mystery okay. tour. It is bizarre. Peter Sellers is this really rich guy. Yeah. And his thrill is going around basically finding people's price. So right. what would it take for you to do some horrible thing or to right. degrade yourself or, okay. or whatever? There's a scene in there where he gets a parking ticket and basically he says, how much will it take for you to eat that ticket? 
And that's that's mild. That's one of the most mild things. Sure. And the comedy comedy comes from. Well, there's a scene of him. So eating is the, the human ticket. is human centipede like the sequel to this? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it could be. It could be. So it starts off with him meeting Ringo Starr, who's basically a bum. Okay. And it's you don't <laughs> you don't hear the dialogue. <laughs> human centipede. Ringo Starr's Ringo a bum. Star. Never mind. He's got a big <clears throat> nose. Carry on. As you were. <laughs> That's a lot of nose to fit up there. But, uh, well, we're only... What? Oh, should I, I should have... We're only six minutes in. James would be proud. Hi, James. Oh, good, good. But, uh, so, it's that you don't hear the dialogue, but basically you get the gist that Peter Sellers walks up to Ringo Starr mm. and basically the the idea is he says to... He's saying to him, what would it... He's feeding these ducks in the park and basically you get the idea he's saying, what would it take? How much can I pay you to hurt these ducks or... Something along those lines. It's okay. been a while since I've seen it. And Ringo Starr turns around and he's like, no, nothing. I don't have a price. And so he takes him on as his heir. Right. Because he's... Oh, okay. Because he's a good person. And so then they just go around messing with people. So Ringo this, gets involved in this These whole... ridiculously, increasingly Yikes. far out scenarios. Uh, John Cleese has a cameo in it where they go, he's an art dealer. Yeah. And they go and basically buy this painting and then rip it to shreds in front of John Cleese, who's just having an aneurysm over it. Very Banksy esque. Cool. But it's Topical. just so bizarre. But it ends the last big prank in it. A bit spoiler alert. Come out nineteen sixty eight or something. Yeah, I was going to say, get your shit together, people, and watch some movies. Well, well, uh, there should be a there should be an expiry you, you, date on you, it. You mentioned shit there because the. <laughs> Last oh, scene God, in it, where go. the where it ties back to the song, yeah. is that he has this giant open vat that they just fill with every horrid thing you could imagine, sewage and shit and garbage oh. and everything, and fill it with money. And right. as and as the public is just diving into this crap right. to get their money, dun 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 dun. If, if you, you want, want it. <laughs> Come and, and get, get it. it, and that's where that song—that's the genesis. Oh my of that god! Song. Okay, that I did not know. And that song was specifically for that movie. Is that right? That's right. Wow, it's messed up, man. I've seen it once, but yeah, it is, and it just gets to the point. It doesn't really take too long to start getting really bizarre, but it just sort of—it's—it goes to ten really quickly, and then just ups the ante from there. Even it's really bizarre but uh bad finger <laughs> yeah back to bad finger um that's wow did i hear you say that there must be a catch yeah right okay interesting yeah very bizarre movie i back see why why do i want to watch superhero movies <laughs> i can watch <laughs> thor and iron man do the same lame jokes when i can go I watch back the magic christian and watch peter and- sellers have people swimming around in shit, shit for cash <laughs> To the uh, sound of bad finger. Well, anyway, getting back to Jeff Emery. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that was a deep dive. That was a deep dive. Um, so, yeah, Emery left during the White Album. He missed out on... I think, was he involved in Magical Mystery Tour and then left... Yeah, Possibly. Left I think White around Album. that time That's right. that he was Did Magical Mystery Tour, left yeah. during the White Album. Um, uh, Ken Thomas and Glyn Johns came in to do... 
Ken Thomas finished off and Chris Thomas was the producer who finished off the White Album. Mm-hmm. And then I think they did The Ballad of John and Yoko and Brown, Old Brown Shoe, the yep. double A-side single. And Glyn Johns did The Let It Be Shambles. Um, and then... <laughs> Phil Spector, Wall of Wall of Puke. And then um, Jeff and, and um, George Martin came back to do Abbey Road. And yes. George Martin rang him and said, no, 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 we're going to do it the old way. We're going to make Abbey Road. And they're going to be real nice. They're going to be... Well, he doesn't talk like that at all. He's very educated. <laughs> George but Martin, no, he's very educated be, about that stage. We're all yeah. going to play very nicely. Well, I think the boys have promised. Didn't George Martin keep offering Jeff Emmerich a job at Air Studios because he had yes, built his own right. studio at some point? He kept offering him because I think Jeff went to work for Apple, right? Like yeah. Oh, yeah, Apple. absolutely. And then John Lennon's space cadet friend—he was constantly yeah, clashing with magic him because Alex, he had yeah. magic Alex. That's yeah. right. Had no idea what he was doing yet. They no had idea. him completely in charge of building these state of the art for the day. I love the story in the book about how they spent a day trying to get the studio that Magic Alex Magic Alex had built for him. And it was something like just a cardboard box with (laughs) styles and lights. That's not not an exaggeration. Graham is not exaggerating there. It truly was something that he this guy just whipped up in his garage. But he was like you know, like at Apple at the time they were, you know, working on eight track or four four or eight track or something or other. In America they were using sixteen tracks. Like Magic Alex was telling him he could make a studio that could do like twenty four thousand tracks. Like he was making these ridiculous promises, like the twenty four thousand fret guitar. Like it was just this ridiculous <laughs> That's an in joke. Sorry, everyone. That's an inside joke. Just as an aside, uh, I Deep believe. Cuts. I believe that the that the that the joke was originally somebody talking about one of my friends back in the day talking about Western, um, if right? I had if I had twenty four frets, I'd yeah. be a better guitarist. You can have twenty four thousand frets. It's not going to make you a better guitarist. But anyway, yeah, yeah, Magic Alex. Magic Alex. Yeah. And people like that just really amaze me. It's like. It's like those movies, or we were talking about Seinfeld before, where it's like, there's a point in the road here where people are going to find out that you're full of crap. Mm. And and you're dealing with million, multi-million dollar state-of-the-art Apple Studios owned by the Beatles. You have to wonder what he said to convince Lennon that he was on the level. And have, then have some more heroin. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. His name was actually Dr. Robert. Um, <laughs> yes. And then like, you have to wonder what he said to convince Lennon that this was a good idea. And then, yeah. What was going through his head while he was putting all this shit together and saying, yeah, this will totally work. Like he must've just been. Yeah. I think psychotic. I'm, I think I'm project. Yeah, exactly. I think I'm projecting too much, uh, sanity onto people like magic Alex. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Uh, um, uh, what was I saying before? Oh, about uh, George and Ringo. Mm. So we said about Ringo and then went into that whole thing about that bizarre movie. Swimming in shit for money, yeah. But George Harrison being mm. basically a crap guitarist. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, could Just couldn't do his job. Yeah. And really got his nose out of joint about having to redo and redo parts. Mm. And uh, it's not an easy job, but... It, it seems like he was. I always knew that uh, that John Lennon said about George that as far as songwriting goes, that when they started out, they were sort of mm. teaching George how to write songs. But by the end, he said he was writing better songs than us. Yeah. 
But as far as being a guitar player goes, I think he sort of come good in the end as well with that. Hmm. But yeah, really, uh, and and used to get really upset about it too that they that he just have to keep doing the same guitar lines over and over and over again because mm. he just wasn't very good. It's really interesting when you listen to his guitar parts through the years because I mean like early stuff and he it does sound like he's trying to play above his means. I mean when you mm. listen to some of the the country parts he's playing in um, what's the Ringo song on Rubber's Soul? Um, what goes on? Yeah, um, it's very sloppy the guitar playing which is all george is really sloppy in that like a lot of his guitar stuff can be quite sloppy um but then you know and, and then and then you go through like tax man where he couldn't do a solo and so paul mccartney just goes in yeah, and does a solo. on a song, really on a song that him. george harrison wrote and paul mccartney busts out a great solo on especially Taxman. too because that was his job that's his yeah. role that's what you do you play the guitar it's line his song You're he's the, the lead, lead guitarist, guitarist. And your bass player comes in and plays and an amazing job. solo that is also, by the way, like very um, uh, Indian, like in terms of the scale and yes. stuff that he's using. Um, everyone assumed it was George Harrison because he was the one who was really into sitar playing. He was the Ravi Shankar mm-hmm. fan. He, you know, everyone thought, well, that's definitely George. No, no, no. That's Paul Harris, uh, Paul McCartney, sorry, playing that solo on Taxman. Um, so, I mean, that mustn't have sat well. And then, you know, the whole issue they had with Hey Jude, which came up when they were doing the Let It Be stuff but then he goes and plays amazing solos like the let it be solo is mm. sublime the something solo is sublime mm-hmm. like he really did do some amazing stuff but then you know he brings in eric clapton to play on while my, my while my guitar gently weeps and yeah, yeah. Inter- interesting interesting i feel like sometimes he was really on it and really inspired and then other times he was well it's, it's sloppy in- as all hell. interesting too that they the more that i learn about uh, about these old groups and stuff. Uh, well, Damien brought me back by Phil Collins uh, autobiograph- autobiography today, and they, they all had their little rat packs yeah. back in the day, and Eric Clapton seemed to have his finger in a lot of pies. Like, Man, he, did he, he ever? I think still to this day, him and Phil Collins are really good mates. Really tight, yeah. But uh, I've been the- seeing a lot of clips pop up on YouTube recently of Eric playing with Dire Straits. Like, and that's a, just another, you know... Another it's just, string on his bow. I, th- I think very much with Eric Clapton, he has his own flavour to his guitar playing mm. that, like, someone like Mark Knopfler, he can handle it. Yeah. <laughs> he can definitely handle yeah. his own stuff. <laughs> but, yeah, that that's that's good guitar playing to me, and that took me a long time to learn uh, as I learned to play guitar, mm. is... Uh, I, I, I jumped the cue a little bit and, and did a hop, skip, and a jump ahead by learning to play stuff like Metallica and things like that. Mm. But even with Metallica, um, the best solos and things that that band does nowadays that, I mean, Kirk Hammett is an amazing guitarist, sure. but he comes out and he just flips the wah pedal around and yeah. goes, that's not great guitar play. The, the thing that made the solos great for them, even back in the day, was that they had a melody to them. They're, yes. that's a, they're solos that even though they go, they're just flat out, mm. that's something you can sing along to. It has yeah. a tune to oh, it. Absolutely. And it has... It, uh, yeah. Singable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, people like... Players like Eric Clapton, Dave Gilmore is another one. Yes. That, Dave Gilmore is really the one that sort of showed me that it's not 
it's not about how how flashy that you no. can play. It's it's about playing the right note at the right time. That's right. Especially with Dave Gilmore, I mean, he he will just ring out everything that say, he's got yeah, out yeah. of a, just a single note. He will squeeze every last ounce of emotion out of a long note. Like he can play the same note for four bars, but he will make it sound, you know, amazing for those four bars. If that's what he has to do, yeah. Gilmore's have you, just an aside there. Have very you, efficient. <laughs> this Graham Mills podcast is just all aside. <laughs> Uh, long ways back around to the original <laughs> point. But have you seen, I think I might have shared it on Facebook. It was a video of uh, fairly recently, maybe even in the last year or so. And it was Dave Gilmore in Italy. And they were playing a show that either that night or the next night. And they were just, he was just out and about on the street. Right. And, uh, might've even been in Rome. I'm not sure. But somewhere in, uh, somewhere in Italy. And he, uh, sees this guy who's just there on the street playing wine glasses. Okay. And the guy's very adept at it. He's no... Yeah. He's, it, no slouch. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and Dave Gilmore stops and he's really impressed by it. Yeah. And he has to sort of have a tr- translator to ask him, but he says, we're playing a show in such and such square tomorrow night. Right. Would you come and play with us? Really? Just on the strength of seeing this guy... And this guy is stoked, as you can imagine. I don't think he really has an appreciation for who he's talking to. Right, okay. I, I, I think there's a little bit of a divide there. I'm not sure that he really sort of knows that, it's that he's talking David to. David Gilmore from Pink he's Floyd. Talking, he's talking God to him. Goddamn David Gilmore. <laughs> and then the video cuts to a little bit of rehearsal the next day, but then at night, and it's absolutely flogging down rain and it's open air. Right. And this guy comes out and they're playing Shine On You Crazy Diamond. Yeah. And this guy is accompanying him doing wine on the wine, wine glasses. Glass. And it sounds amazing. Of course, yeah. It's so ethereal. What a, what a crazy sound. And I mean, and with Dave Gilmore, there are certain guys too who just have a, an amazing talent for arrangements. Mm. I know that they said that uh, the guys in Genesis said that about Phil Collins, mm. that even before he started really writing songs, mm. that... Just a, a just amazing um, knack for for arrangements. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you definitely get that impression. It's like, yeah, but you're right. Before he started writing songs from scratch, he would definitely come in with ideas and say, "Well, maybe we should do this, or maybe we should change this, or cut this, or add some more yeah. of this." Which I mean, it, yeah. it, it's a, it seems like a natural thing for a, a good drummer to be able to do. It makes sense. Yeah, I mean, but... when you look at you know, like an album like The Wall, which is predominantly written by Roger Waters. Oof. There's got to be. Sacha! Sorry. You've got to imagine that a lot of that is heavily inspired by Gilmore, like taking these raw ideas. I mean, Money is a great example. Anyone who's heard the demo of Money, mm-hmm. which is very much Roger playing this bluesy guitar thing, and then what it turned into on the record. Mm-hmm. And Gilmore's singing it, and um, uh, just the arrangement of it, yeah, has got to be so much. He's got to have inspired that or had a part in that. Yeah, so, yeah, doesn't surprise me. Isn't it funny too? I mean, go, back to the Beatles too a little bit. That these prolific bands. Oh, and James has got to be James. Listen, James is a uh, a devoted listener, whether he's on the podcast or not. He's got to be loving <laughs> this. He hates the Beatles. <laughs> Sorry, Jay. <JR. laughs> <laughs> 
only 10 minutes in. Oh, no, wait. This is counting by bars. Hang on. Let me see if I can change that. There we go. We're half an oh, hour half in. an hour in. Half an hour of the Beatles. <laughs> You're welcome, James. <laughs> You'll cut this down. We'll only be 15 minutes oh, in after no. you take all this shit out. <laughs> we're going Alex Jones. We're going, do it light. No, wait. Sorry, it's Bill O'Reilly. Never mind. That's, that's, a, that's a James thing. Uh, but... Uh, the Beatles, yeah. Going back to the Beatles, you were saying. Uh, oh, that that these these are works of art. That their biggest things that break them. That it's like it's like the uh, candle that burns hmm. brightest and burns quickest. Hmm. It's amazing just how many of these bands are just that they, they've got their moment in the sun and hmm. they just do so well. Pink Floyd being one of them, even Powderfinger, hmm. they. Couldn't and I would consider uh, Odyssey number five. And what was the album before that? Internationalist. Internationalist. So great, great album. Just just hit 20, 20 years old. They've just done their twentieth anniversary oh, of Internationalist. God I know damn. they're selling it in purple vinyl. I'm very excited. <laughs> what about that coloured vinyl? Vinyl oh, is great vinyl. these days. Vinyl is great these days. I love that it's has a res- it's had a resurgence. Mm. Not because I'm a hipster douchebag. No. It's like the sound is just better, you know. When I no, run it, and you when I what? run it through my crappy digital, I'm gonna yeah, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to this because I actually thought about this this morning. Um, the sound that comes off of a record is not better. Like it's not of a higher right. quality. It's different, and the experience is different. And That's there's right. nothing quite like holding your music medium with a larger You're having an experience. Exactly. And putting it on. And the other thing I really like about um, a record is that I have to listen to the whole thing. Like, it's That's not right. like if I, if, if I get to a shitty song, like if I get to revolution nine on my phone, <laughs> I'm hitting skip, right? Every time, every time. But yeah, that's an extreme example, but like, you're going to listen to the whole side and then you're going to turn it over and you listen to the whole other side. Good or bad. Warts and all, it's how it was meant to be. Exactly. To be heard. It's a whole experience to it. I remember dad, complaining even about cds mm. back when i was growing up that which is funny now considering that we have spotify and everything and that's something mm. i actually wanted to ask you about but um we'll get to that is that uh you said you're getting this little thing well you're not getting anything really with a cd like, I yeah know. oh a cd saying, sorry with yeah, a yeah, cd yeah. you're getting this little shrunken down yes. version of yeah what at the, with a with a record there there are there's a smell to it. You open mm-hmm. the thing up. There's inserts. Yep. And I think it's great that they've taken that idea and built upon it now with the resurgence of vinyl yeah. coming back. Is that, especially with the technology that you can do so many more things yeah. with it. You've got any color you like. The, 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 the craziest one was the Star Wars soundtrack for episode seven. I saw that has, you shine your phone light on it and it has a, a hologram. hologram. Yeah, I did see that. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it all, yeah. it all. I mean, it might be a gimmick, but that's part of the, the whole, Look, the whole deal. I, I mean, I like, I like buying my. If I buy an album, if, I'll try and buy it on a record because usually these days you get a digital download with it as well, which mm-hmm. is great. Um, and then I've just got something that sounds and feels a bit different to play. That's right. You've got to put on it on the turntable. Yeah. Turn the thing over. Yeah. There's a there's a whole thing that goes. Yeah. On. And and maybe maybe I'm a little bit more bias towards that whole experience because it's something that I grew up with. Yeah. Um, we were very behind the times on everything growing up in my household. But that that's that's good in a way. I mean, I used to play gigs and play all these old songs and I always tried to play my act 
songs that were well known, mm. but not the same fare as you would hear from most from most acts. And, and people mm. would come up to me, my parents' age, and say, how, like almost aggressively, like, how the hell do you know that oh, song? Oh, I know, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. Just because I that just because it was before my time doesn't mean I yeah. didn't grow up with it. No, exactly. It's still the same piece of plastic that I heard it off. We used know? to play in the in in the band that I was in. We used to play "Runaway" by Del Shannon, which was like the oldest song we play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'd often get that. You know, how do you know that song? Like, and I'm like, well, it was just a part of my childhood. You know, it was on a on an album or something or other. And you good know. music is just good music. Exactly. And and the, and and the more that time goes on, even it just goes to show that even more. I remember Dad uh, when he was. Uh, would have been back in the 90s and he had all these uh, young apprentices hmm. working under him at the time oh cheeky <laughs> <laughs> but uh, leave hey, it hey, out hey, leave hey, it hey. out <laughs> <But>, say uh, <laughs> no more <laughs> not as good as a week <laughs> but uh, but they would have the radio on and yeah. they would have it on uh, KOFM or perhaps even 2K as it was called Oof, back back then. in the day that's going a long time back but uh, but they would have the, the old stations mm. on and stuff. And the funny thing was, it was that my parents were into Triple J yeah. back in the 90s. I remember and, you telling me this actually. And, nice dad would t- and dad would say, they'd be listening to Hendrix and yeah. all this stuff. And he'd say, like, why do you, why do you like was, all this? Back when KFM was actually a classic rock station, unlike the watered down pop crap it is now. But anyway, sorry. Oh, but actually, uh, uh, just, uh, let's just slide <laughs> a little bit further. We'll just slide a little bit further over. Where Jess and I were watching... Uh, cartoon on uh, netflix called big mouth great show oh I, it's the one that they did the freddie mercury thing yes yeah, yes if, um... but it had uh, it had a flashback part of it to the 90s where one of the kids it shows how one of the kids parents met yeah and it had the the mum is there uh doing the dishes and it has has a radio and it says or maybe it is in the pre- no actually sorry that forget scrap that it was in the present day and she's there listening to a radio while she's doing the mm. dishes and the guy was something like um uh Basically, say the only people that listen to the radio as if uh, you're in like a waiting room or if, or if <laughs> your, your, your play is broken or something like that. <laughs> like basically, no one is listening to the radio. Uh, there's uh, something to be said. <laughs> uh, just take a little break. We'll get up, grab another beer. Sounds good. And we'll come back. And we're back with a fresh beer. Yes. Uh, but yeah, there's uh, the, and, and that hasn't that hasn't changed. Uh, so dad would say to these guys, "Well, why are you listening to this stuff? Mm. This is from my era." Yeah, and I've moved on. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, but music's changed so much, and even in yeah, I don't want to sound like I don't I don't want to sound like that old guy. Like I mean, I remember you telling me that when I was when we were in high school. You know, you're like dad listens to Triple J. He likes to stay up to date with what's happening in music, and being that I am a high school music teacher i like to try and keep up with what the kids are listening to but i can't like i just i just can't <laughs> i tried for ages to keep listening to what was they yeah. were listening to and it just got to a point where it was exhausting so. i think i've said on the podcast before jess is my conduit into anything decent she still yeah. does the triple j thing yep and there's there's some great stuff out there yeah. it's not nearly prevalent enough for me to listen to that stuff all the time yeah. but going back to spotify that's a, 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 a good tool for that too. Definitely. I mean, and your, your algorithms there, they get, mm-hmm. get they get to know you and... and we'll Point you in the right stuff. direction. I mean, you know, because people are always saying, you know, there's no good music method. I said, no, no, no. And like, people will say that to me, like, it must be hard as a music teacher 
when there's no good music being made, I said, no, 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 there's plenty of good music being made. It's not being played on commercial radios, in my Absolutely. opinion. But if you want to find a, a, a current band that sounds like Hendrix or sounds like the Beatles or sounds like Powderfinger or whatever, they're out there. You just need to look for them. Yeah. Because they're not getting a lot of airplay, but you'll find them. And, uh, you know, a, a couple of years ago, a music teacher I knew introduced me to a, a little known band called the North Mississippi All Stars. This great sort of southern rock um, swampy thing from America. Um, and, you know, you and I went to see John Cleary, who's a, yes. a New Orleans piano player, um, who I'm a massive fan of. Like, these people are making music. Phenomenal musicians. Really yeah. great music that is... And they're making current music, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's out there. You just have to go and look for it because you're not going to hear it on commercial pop radio. Ah, absolutely. Those those days are sort of gone. But, but really, uh, Dave Grohl said that years ago... And, uh, and I keep coming back to it. He said, rock music at its core encompassing, you know, hard rock and metal and anything. That wide Anything that's real rock. sort of music. Yep. He said, it, oh, rock's dead. And, and this sort of thing comes. He said, it's a wheel. Mm. He said, it comes around and then it'll be on top again and then it'll sort yep. of go under. Uh, well, I mean. It's a strange, it's become a very strange industry and technology's definitely played into that. But I think mm. maybe it might be turning around for the better. Like you're never going to have another Beatles. I don't, I don't think. I mean, the whole landscape would have to change. It's too big. So yeah, like one exactly. band's impact on the industry is much too diluted now compared to when the Beatles did it. So, I mean, they had international massive impact because there was just not like, unless you were the biggest thing in the world, which they were, yeah. you didn't have the ability to get your music out there and influence that many people. These days, there's so many ways to get your music out there and influence people. You're drowned out by the noise. So no, I agree. I don't think, I don't think we have a way of celebrating a massive Beatlesque type thing. I mean, you think about pop stars like Lady Gaga has had massive. She's um, done very well in this climate, huge, definitely. Yeah, um, uh, and I think about her impact. Um, you know, even even to an extent, Maroon Five as a pop group have had massive impact and widespread impact over crap, but they're not they're not in the same league. No, as I, I the would... impact that Beatles have had in terms of longevity, and we won't know that for another fifty years. You know, that's right. I, I think the whole landscape would have to change in yeah. ways that I can't um, uh, sort of predict or imagine for that to come back around. And I don't think yeah. that that would necessarily be a good thing. <laughs> well, I mean, you look at, I mean, at time of recording, the Nirvana reunion that just happened at the. Um... I was just going to say, I think Nirvana might be the last band that had that sort yeah. of impact like that yeah. i think so and i mean and you look at the impact that that um you know dave did the concert james is gonna be lovely Chris he hates, he hates <laughs> the Beatles and well. Nevada. <laughs> but you know like with with uh dave getting up with Kristen and pat smear who you know were basically nirvana at the yeah. end of um kurt's days and then getting all these guests to come up and do stuff and that whole reunion concert they did at the um the, was it the socal festival or something around the camera world yeah and um that's huge so i mean that's i'm trying to think you know the, i mean the foo fighters could possibly be another big massive band but yeah. even they're losing like they don't have anything no one's no one's pushing out their current stuff like yeah. they haven't had sort of massive international success since what the pretender was probably the last really massive yeah, song I, that had universal that. appeal but I, I kind of like the direction that they're going in 
that he's going in with that band and stuff mm. too. I th- I've always said that Dave Grohl does his best stuff when he's not trying to sell records. Yeah. When he's just doing... Like, uh, the album before last, they did uh, Something for Nothing, where he did the TV series. Yeah. Is it called Something for... I know the song was, but anyway. Um, yeah. But, but where they do focus on music in a city each, and I went on about last time about how that that, scene, that punk rock scene... What was that TV show thing. called? What was that series called? Damn, I can't think of it either. <laughs> but it, it is strange with, uh, with music, how it seems to be the old guard that's that's surviving mm. at with some notoriety i mean we're going to see phil collins <laughs> next yeah. year it was funny i went to see uh, and and back to harking back to talking about uh about finding new music and stuff out there i'll also because of the ease of using a, a streaming service like mm. spotify it's easy there's no risk involved in me financial risk or anything involved for me to check out something that somebody mm. recommends to me i went to a concert down at the metro in sydney with uh, my friend jordan uh and i guess you got uh, like a prog rock like heavy prog rock band sure. called tesseract and uh he asked if I wanted to go. I'm yep. like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Because I, I really do like a bit of everything. Yep. It's it's hard. It's difficult for me when somebody asks me. I really should prepare an answer for that because people <laughs> ask me, what do you listen to? And I, I give that. And I hate when people say that, give those kind of answers to like, oh, I listen to a bit of everything, but I really do. Yeah. But you came to John Clear. I don't think you'd heard much of his stuff. No, not at all. Before you came well, with yeah, us. But it was just on our recommendation where, you, where we were like, we love this guy. And you're like, well, another, I, I want yeah, to come then. Another great example. Yeah. And I mean, both concerts, absolutely loved it. But we're walking out of... Walking out of Tesseract with my mate Ben, and I said, "So, the next concert I'm going to is Phil Collins." Yeah. So there we go, like broad. Oh, <laughs> totally. Very broad. But, uh, you know, it's funny because my Facebook memories has been bringing up uh, the Perth trip that I did with um, our mate Dan a couple yep. couple of years ago, and uh, one of your comments shout on there Dan. is something about yeah, shout out to Dan is one of is the thing about the playlist and some of the things we were listening to we were listening to because I mean Dan's a massive musical theatre fan as am I, so we're listening to theatre soundtracks but we're also listening to System of a Down and Van Morrison and you know we we, we had a pretty eclectic playlist there because I mean yeah I like a range of stuff. Um, and I, one morning I at think, eight o'clock in the morning while Dan was trying to get some sleep, I felt like listening to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> why do you always spend the pot? Like I really <laughs> wanted to listen to some system of it, yeah. But, and, and that's something too, as I get older, I talked a lot about John Farnham on the last oh, yeah, podcast, yeah. but <laughs> loved uh, it. There's a, a thing with just liking what you like. And I mean, at mm-hmm. 34 years of age. I just like what I like. Absolutely. And the thing is, is my, my taste in people and friends and everything is almost as eclectic as my taste in entertainment too. So you're always, you're always going to disagree with somebody or you're always going to come off as weird or, mm. or lame or something or whatever the, whatever the hell. Like I, I was talking about Metallica before. I can totally hear when I listen to something like Master of Puppets, mm. I can totally hear how somebody listens to that it just sounds like a bunch of awful hate noise, <laughs> you know, and, and, but just metal in general. I can hear how I can understand how people do, just don't have the patience or can't get into something like Tool mm. or, um, 
or even on the other end of that spectrum, something like, you know, pop music or something slower or, you know, I, like I love Frank Sinatra. I, mm. Fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. he taught me everything that I know about beating my wife and, uh, and drinking too much. <laughs> drinking too much. It's really, you know, it's something, a really interesting phenomenon that, that's happened to me over the years is, is falling in love with songs or artists after I've had to learn how to play sure. those songs. So for years and years and years, I hated Kaysan. I thought it was a crappy song. And then I had to learn how to play it for a band that I was in. And I love playing that song. I hate... I, if it comes on the radio, I'll change the I was station. just saying that to Christy the other, the yeah, other day. Yeah, it's really interesting. But I, I don't mind playing and singing Kaysan. I, I, I quite like that. Um, you know, same thing with Tool. A couple of years ago, I had a... Um, I'm, not, I'm not a huge Tool fan. Um... And I wouldn't go out of my way to listen to it. But a couple of years ago, I had a, a drummer in my year 12 class who wanted to play The Pot by Tool. Sure. And he just said to me, he said, oh, do you think you can sing it? And I was like, like, I don't even know this song. Like, I'm not a Tool fan. Even besides that, that's a tough sing. That it was, song. yeah, I, listen, listen, the, I had to write out the music. <laughs> I had to yeah. write it out so that I could sing it because I didn't know it. So, and we had a very short time frame, but I did it and it was, it was fun. It was a lot yeah. of fun. And, uh, funnily enough, it came on, uh, Susan and I have been listening to some Canadian net radio cause you know, my wife, <laughs> Susan is from Canada. And so with the new, I just imagine you there with like a ham radio. No, no, no. We just, uh, sorry, sorry. the new, the new, <laughs> the new amp I got for my, my stereo system at home allows me to listen to net radio and there's a thing on my phone where I can go through and find these stations and you can do it by location. So just because she's from Canada, I was going and finding like all of these Canadian classic rock stations because I love classic American rock. And when we go over there and I'm driving around in one of her parents' cars or whatever, I just love the fact that I can scan through stations and just listen to nothing but if I want to seventies classic rock and hear all of these great American seventies rock bands like Grand Funk Railroad and the Edgar Winter Group and all these awesome tunes for, that have been on like the sure. soundtrack soundtracks of movies for my for my <clears> life. <throat> we don't get that in Australia anymore. Like I was saying earlier, KOFM is just this watered down pop station now. They don't really do any kind of classic rock. But like oh, we've been listening to those stations anyway. The pot came on and it was just like mind blowing. So I just walked into the lounge room and cranked it because it was like this song is awesome. Like yeah. because I learned. To sing Tool, it for this kid. Tool is definitely uh, an example of an acquired taste. Yeah. Now, I, the, to be honest, I probably never would have got into them if it wasn't for back in the day driving around in Sean's old charade. <laughs> and he had a cassette. And on one side was System of a Down, mm. who I wrote off yeah. back in the day. The Chop Suey was out and yeah. it was just on rotation yeah, yeah. all the time that and all these wankers because really. there was just all these these drop Z <laughs> bands yeah. at the time drop and it was all Z. very <laughs> <laughs> Graham is talking about guitar tuning <laughs> with that derogatory comment <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. and big scaffolding looks scaffolding that's, looks. that's another inside <laughs> joke but the opposite of shoegazing where they sort of spring up and to yeah. cock their head to the side yeah. and look up at some invisible scaffolding that's yes. going up in, in yep. the corner but, uh, yeah. but it was a very fashionable thing was, at the time yeah. and guitar so around the knees yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so I Wrote them off at the time and, uh, yeah, driving around in Sean's charade. And it wasn't as if I was a stranger to metal or mm. hard rock or anything. No, it just no. just wasn't, didn't seem to be my cup of tea, but just constant exposure to this mm. cassette. 
in his car and it, it made a fan of both of those bands yeah. out of me um whereas I, I mean i knew tool from uh what's the song about fisting on Stink triple fist. j yes. <laughs> triple j's hottest 100 volume four which is absolutely filthy which is the, i don't see i'm not a lyrics person i don't know what the lyrics are about well, i don't know the song though because it starts with that down well getting a bit filthy the first time around it's uh i think it's finger deep within the borderline oh that then was the next you, time it's you, you did uh, that on a podcast and then it's like finger and then it gets up to like borderline. elbow deep within the borderline oh, this may hurt a little but it's something you'll get used to okay. <laughs> relax turn around and take my hand <laughs> so i knew Which that reminds song me i need triple to see my j. doctor soon <laughs> 90s triple j <laughs> 90s my, my yeah. dad mum oh, like sounds it sounds so old when we talk about these things like they're... but yeah but very much an acquired taste and there are there are other uh bands and and music that i, mm. I can't that don't sort of come to mind but uh but yeah that it takes some time to get into I, i'm it's... hesitant even to give reviews to anything or say that something say that something's good or not it's funny it, 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 you know the thing with tool though is like you know um if you, if you look at any of the... I mean, we've, we've spoken about Triple J, but if you look at any of their Facebook posts or whatever, it's just full of people requesting Tool. Yeah. You know, and it used to be this ongoing joke of like, you know, we don't do requests because all you guys do is request Tool. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was a big joke at Triple J for years and years and years because if they ever said, sent, you know, ring us up with your requests, inevitably they'd just get asked to play Tool. And so... Well, dude, their Acquired last... Acquired taste or not, they're last, a very popular group. Their last album was called 10,000 Days. And the joke among Tool fans, I'm sure, because it's the joke... Is that how many me, days it took to How many days it? it's going to take for their new goddamn album to come out? I think they come out in 2005 yeah. and we're still waiting. They've been through legal battles and all this stuff. And yeah, I'm like, right. uh, how prolific a band... Can you be? Well, it's no. Put a goddamn album out. Yeah. Like Maynard, the singer, he's put yeah. stuff out with a perfect circle and done other collaborations and stuff yeah. in the meantime. And I'm sure Adam Jones, the guitarist, has done stuff. Yeah. Like, just put a goddamn album out, for Christ's sake. But, Maybe yeah. they're trying to beat Guns N' Roses record or something. But I don't know. Guns Oh, dude. What a debacle <laughs> that whole thing is. With Slash, Slash is a real uh, smart dude. He's kept. Yeah. He's just kept. I, I I think he would just keep in the game just for the love of it, mm. regardless. And he's always playing with different people. Yeah. He's always touring. Just he's just a guy that just loves music. Mm. Axel Rose. Now I've mentioned this with Bill on the podcast before a few months back. I haven't really been following it, but I know that Axel Rose is ACDC's new singer. Mm-hmm. I'm like, now I'll just say straight off the bat, I'm not a big ACDC fan. I like ACDC. Mm-hmm. I do definitely do not love ACDC. Yes. I, I could, I could stand to, thanks to mum, I could stand to listen to an album's worth, but it would have to be a specific few albums that I could choose yeah. from. Otherwise, I, I, Oh no! That's, I, I own one ACDC album. Aldi was selling um, Back in Black on vinyl because oh, nice. you know, like every now and then they sell a record player at Aldi, so they also sell yes. a couple of different records. And the the funny thing is, is the records they sell at Aldi when they do this like once a year thing are excellent German pressings. Like oh, they yeah. are brilliant quality pressings. So I just buy whatever they sell. So I think the last time I got Back in Black and Springsteen's Born in the USA and something else. 
things I probably won't listen oh, to again. When you can get... making America <laughs> town. But when Audi sell Small a record for fifteen dollars, I'm going to go and buy it. I tell you that much. Yeah, hell yeah, yeah. yeah. hell yeah. I mean, there's there are uh, records. It's it's great. It's great fun to be able to go and find decent copies of old records. Like mm. I got, well, talk about eclectic taste. I went and got myself a Huey Lewis and yeah. the News record uh, four, which I would probably rate over sports. for anybody that likes Huey Lewis out yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, I would rate it at sports is like their big, their sort of yeah. signature album. That's I would true. rate four over. What's on sports? four? Give me, what are some of the hits on four? Uh, so we got Jacob's Ladder, Stuck With You. Power of Love yeah. was added to it. Oh, okay. It's on the version that I've got. It's got a big sticker on the front from, yeah, back, yeah, from yeah. back in the day, like featuring the number one hit. So it was uh, added on there. Hit to it be was, square. Because it was Power of Love. For the Back to the Future soundtrack, but it, was it wasn't on the originally the on the album of four. There are, right. There'd be copies out there that don't have that as, yeah. as a track. But they added to it to try and split uh, Stuck With You. Hang on. Oh. I'll Why are we up. questioning this, Graham, when you have the world's information here at your fingertips? Oh, absolutely. Here we go. Four. Did you just type in the number four? No. Or the, oh, hey, I have to be more specific. I was going to say, you're going to have to be more specific because you're going to get a lot of golf um, websites there, I think. Here we go. And I made the, the, the too clever for my own good uh, <laughs> post on Instagram and Facebook about it. And uh, see, the, the, the album's called Four with an exclamation yes. point, And I said four score... As in, like four score and seven years it. ago, <laughs> and that and that uh, that exclamation mark in the middle of that statement just doesn't do me any favors either. But okay, so we got a track listing here. Jacob's ladder stuck with you, doing it all for my baby. Oh, uh, yeah, hip to be square. Hip to be square. Okay, cool. Um, hip uh, to be square. Okay, so hip to be square is probably the biggest single I off. Of don't that really album. need to talk about that album. I'll just refer everyone to American Psycho, where Christian Bale gives yeah. a massive review of that album just before he slaughters a guy with an yeah. axe. Yeah. About uh, the contemporary. I believe he also talks about a Phil Collins album or a Genesis. Yes, album. I think so. I think so. This is a great classic of uh, movies. I don't. I don't watch a lot of movies. Um, this is, but that's a movie I need to see, and I haven't seen. I've seen clips of it. Which is this? Sorry, uh, American Psycho. Oh yes, it's a it's, you another know, it's strange, a modern classic strange movie. Yeah. A, a strange movie, yeah. But I mean, like, yeah, I've, there are so many movies that I have not seen that I need to see, and that's a, that's a great example. It's a very big uh, the business big eighties big eighties eighties sort of uh, reflection on the eighties <clears> kind of movie, and oh, yeah. all the cliches oh, yeah. and things from the eighties are in there, yeah. um, which is right up. Right up our alley. Yeah. Actually, it's funny. My my sister Mary, who uh, has severe autism, I I get uh, I catch up with her once a fortnight, mm. and uh, usually when I go down to her place and we go and do a little flat there and sit there, she'll have a movie on all the time. She just has a DVD mm. player and just going all the time. But she wants that phone. She wants my phone, and she's quite adept at navigating through YouTube. Uh, actually, it's really funny. She used to... I don't think they have the Wi-Fi on there anymore. Oh, I, I okay. don't know if that was a oh, so, so she doesn't have a device that she can access She has herself. an iPad, but right. uh, I, I think... I don't know if it was a budgetary thing or whether it was more of a, a, a common sense kind of thing with uh, the, the okay. residents, but they had Wi-Fi and I don't think they have it anymore, but she had an iPad. And with right. YouTube, it's like I was saying about with Spotify before, it gets to know your, especially if, you have, if you're logged into an account, yeah. your account there, it knows you very well. And so we walked in one day there, uh, back to the future. Just remember that. I've got to get I'm back to come that. back okay, to that. So, so, um, so we walked in and she had this thing and it was 
the theme song to the 80s cartoon of Transformers <laughs> and it was just going on loop it would finish and she would just 10 go, hours of tap replay oh and right. it was just Transformers and yeah just over and over and over again <laughs> and then uh She's the sort of person that will watch those 10 hour, you know, super cuts of things. I thought that, oh, okay, that's just what's on her iPad or that's what she's allowed to watch. I don't know. I don't know. But then she's into, and all she's doing is, uh, like, she can't type stuff in Mm. and and, and do, like, a, a, a search for stuff. So I have no idea how she got on this thing. And it's kind of the thing, Mary's a grown woman, Mm. but. You know, she still has that kid aspect about her. You're like, should she be allowed to do this? Sure. You know, like, a, like a, along the lines of, I'm not going to crack a beer. She, she's a bit fascinated with beer, but I'm not going to crack right. a beer for her. We give her ginger beer. <laughs> do you? We go to, we peel the label off, so it's in that brown. Have bottle, you ever given her bags. alcohol? Like, is it? Is have you ever seen her? No, I would drink? say, I would say because of her. Well, she's not of the mindset. She has that sort of more child mindset where yeah, it's yeah, not appropriate. Yeah. But yeah. also, uh, she's on medications and sure, strong medications yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. too. So. Not, not an But fascinated thing. with beer. Right. And so we give her a... We, we get Bundaberg brown bottles of ginger beer. Perfect. We peel the label off. And she sort of looks at you like... Uh, Am uh, I uh, being naughty uh, right uh, now? Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. But uh, yeah, so she had his Transformers on. on and, and like I said, yeah, it suggests things based on your recommendation. I don't know how the hell she got into this, but there was a video of someone with like, was it Baby Born? The thing where, where you could make it go to the toilet. <laughs> yeah, okay. Where it had, had the little toilet. <laughs> yeah. And, you could, and it would wee out of the yeah, little hole. A doll that would wee, And yeah. somebody's made a video <laughs> of oh, this God. doll and just filled it with like pudding. <laughs> just squirting it out into this plastic toilet mm. and well, she I'm just rolling there around on the floor oh, and laughing. she just thinks yeah. it's hilarious yeah, just being she does. boastful laughing <laughs> and I'm just there with my hands over my mouth <laughs> just tears like spraying out of my eyes like in a cartoon like yeah. olive oil yeah. <laughs> I'm like how did you get onto this how like you don't do you can't do like a type search in for anything how did this happen but she yeah quite a depth so i'll give her my phone mm. and she'll get on there rage is her big thing because mum okay. used to just but, make yeah, 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 yeah. mountains of, of vhs tapes where she would just tape Remember, rage yeah. all night and mm. that was mary's thing just love rage she loved all that 90s stuff that we we're talking about before yep. like she got a real good taste of music my sister oh yeah um, She's been perverted a little bit over the years since she's been in permanent care by a bit of pop mm-hmm. stuff of the day. But yeah, like loves it. Red Hot Chili Peppers are a favourite. Yeah. And that's a, yeah, that's a bit of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> For she a loves looking at that a- Anthony Kiedis in <laughs> oh, a sock. Oh, I was going to say, sock. okay, right. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but so she flicks through... What's, what's, so Mo's, we start- what's Mo's quote on The Simpsons? It is like, look at these guys up here with... <laughs> <laughs> what does he say about the chili peppers? Something about. Oh, is it crusty? He's like dancing around there oh, in their underwear. That's crusty. It's how degrading. <laughs> I want a bigger Wowie! He's dressed up like a Victorian era child. But um, but yeah, so she's flicking. We always start off with a theme song to rage. She yeah. asks for rage. Yeah. Rage. Rage, rage, rage. Did rage, a yeah. ra- ra- rage. I showed her a video they did for rage. the anniversary of rage. They got the original chick that actually. Did that big rage. Oh, right. Rage! And interviewed her and, and she, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, 
she recreates that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, and, cool. and does it and, and talks about basically yeah i just walked in and did it and it's yeah. like this iconic thing but at the time i just walked it was just in and nothing did this thing. yeah 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 so we start off with the rage theme and then she will go from there on to suggested videos from there she knows how to flip the screen up mm-hmm. and go through the the thumbnails yeah. and it's a real quick that like she'll go through queen's a big favorite of hers bicycle yeah, nice. race yeah loves that song it's, that it's one, one of her the... little ticks yeah okay she bicycle yeah. <laughs> all the time but yeah. so she'll go through flip through this song she'll go through chili pepper she'll go through queen she'll go through all this stuff but it's nothing lasts uh, longer than okay. a minute usually and then she's on to the next she's thing. on to the next thing okay. we got to a clip of Marty McFly playing Johnny Be Good yeah is this coming back to the back thing. of the future thing yeah. watched the whole thing I was wow. so proud I bet you were. <laughs> there, there were two videos she watched to completion one of them was um was Back to the Future, mm-hmm. which I just said, she said, that must be an association thing for her because she would have seen it 10 million friggin' times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> knowing, knowing you. Yeah. <laughs> and also, it's the it's the hardest I've ever seen Dad laugh. And Dad put me on to basically most of the comedy apart from like The Simpsons and, and modern sort of more American mm-hmm. stuff. He'd really been my conduit into into comedy when I was growing up, like a, a lot of the English stuff, Fawlty Towers and Blackadder sure, sure. and Red Dwarf, yeah, like yeah, all yeah, this yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, ben Elton and or just, yeah, mm. Young Ones, all that stuff. At, I still, that is the hardest I've ever seen him laugh. And he's seen the movie before was when um, Marty McFly goes mental <laughs> and starts doing all these big <laughs> classic uh, heavy metal and mm-hmm. rock moves and kicking over the amp and everything in yep. 1955. Uh, but yeah, so she watched that. And the other one was, the original Ram Jam version of Black Betty. Black Betty. Yep. And so I'm watching it and I go, God damn, this is actually a good song. It's a good song. And it's an old song. It's an old blues song. Like, yeah, know, absolutely. It wasn't even their song. It was an old... Oh, really? Because you know, I know Spider-Bait yeah. covered it and they're sort of it's known like, for... That's become a song that's sort of become associated with them. But Yeah. I, well, I mean, Ram Jam did it, but I mean, it was an old Robert Johnson, you know... Wow. Old blues... Murphy. Well, old, old blind dead. <laughs> old blind, blind dead. dead McJones. <laughs> Broken um. fingers Mc, <laughs> McDead guy. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's an old blues Rob Johnson thing or something. Well, like it's funny. Wolf or something. Well, we were watching, well, I was watching it and I'm, I'm turning to Jess and I'm like, this sounds awesome. Yeah. I, I, I think I started putting a track together for this to play it as a, in my solo cover act. And I'm like, why didn't I ever finish this and then it gets to the bit dun, 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 oh, like, and you have no oh, idea what's going right. on yeah no no that that's why because yeah. that's ridiculous yeah. <laughs> I, I heard it on the radio the Ram Jam version came on um, when I was driving home one night and uh, yeah I had no idea what was going on like and I'm a musician and I was sitting there going what are they doing <laughs> I can't I can't work this out <laughs> it's crazy but um yeah, so, well, back to a, a big uh, deep cut, back to Phil. <laughs> back to Phil Collins, because we're going Phil to see Collins. Phil Collins. Yeah, look, listen, I... Because um, I, I'm proud to say I have, I have, I've made a Phil... Well, I don't know, you might have liked Phil Collins, but I've definitely made a Genesis fan out of you. Yeah, look, uh, the, 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 what I remember about Phil Collins from being a kid, when we got our first CD player, mm-hmm. which, you know, my parents held out as long as they could... Yeah. Um, but I remember it was probably Christmas 1990 or 1991. And every year for Christmas, my sister and I would get a record, whatever we wanted. We yep. could request a record. That would be one of our Christmas presents. That's cool. That's what I do with Jess now. Yeah. yeah. And whatever record, I think it was my sister. I remember um, the song Walking in Memphis, Mark 
Cold. Yeah, great song. Yeah, good song. Um, they went to try and buy, and I wanted, I wanted. Um, Dire Straits had released Call and Elvis. Remember that song, Call and yep. Elvis? And so they went to go and buy them and they could get the Dire Straits record on vinyl, but they couldn't get the Mark Cohen record with Walking on Memphis, Walking in Memphis on so vinyl. CD, so but... dad basically went, right, well, that's it. Walked us further down the shopping center, bought a CD player, <laughs> and then took us back to the Brashes, Brashes or whatever it was. <laughs> and bought... Both the albums on CD, and so we you got can a, a, a Brashers ninety-one or something around the for ninety-one. JVC, yeah, <laughs> ninety-one. And I mean, like, I remember the size of a pizza box. <clears throat> you know, Annie Joe, Annie Joe, um, in her house, she had a CD player. Like all of our cousins and stuff had CD players. We were like the last of our family to get a CD player. So, um, but anyway, when we got a CD player, Dad started buying CDs. He, he got into like a Reader's Digest CD club type thing to try and buy lots of CDs. And he got face value and, but seriously. And so they were on high rotation because they were like two of the five CDs we owned or something yeah. or other in the very early days of our CD player. So um, they got played a lot. Yeah. So yeah, I um I grew up with a lot of Phil Collins in the house. Well, that's a little bit of a throwback to what we're saying about about uh, vinyl and stuff too. Is that you got to know even with CDs, you got to know an album oh, because yeah. you paid money for it. Yeah. And like even even in the days like when we started driving around and you have those CD wallets that would just completely root your sun visor and. Yeah. and <laughs> just completely root its ability to stick up against the windshield. It would just hang down in your face because <laughs> it had this 10 ton thing of CDs hanging off of it. But uh, I do remember that the entire you space- You would have to listen to what you bought. Everything, yeah. like there was no space under my passenger seat in my car because it was full of like CD wallets. Did you, ever, did you guys ever have a, have a CD changer? Uh, Dad and I installed one in. You remember Mum's Pajero, the the big blue four wheel drive yep. we had. Dad and I installed a six CD stacker under the, the driver's seat. That's the stupidest seat. things ever. Yeah, I mean, correct me if I if there's something that I'm missing here because <laughs> it's the stupid in retrospect. In retrospect, it's like a Flintstonian kind of thing, like like <laughs> like where where it has the appearance of being a, com- a modern convenience, but it's really just. Dumb. <laughs> uh, yeah, quite funny. Uh, well, like we, instead of changing CDs conveniently within arm's reach, yeah. let's just put six in in the boot, yeah. and and go to <laughs> have to pull the car over <laughs> to be able to change them. It was uh, we put ours under the driver's seat. I don't remember. Remember, I we- can carry six CDs <laughs> in their cases in my glove box. Do you remember we, we we took that car to schoolies? We went to schoolies in that car. We yes, I remember. With the goddamn <laughs> CB radio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, I remember everyone got to choose a CD. Late nineties, early two thousand CB yeah. radio. They're not just for truckers anymore. Um, and this, we, uh, you and Adam just had way too much fun. Way with that too much fun. Um, but the CD, yeah, there were five seats in the car, so everyone got to choose one CD. Except something for the, me, for Kate the driver. Being, uh, yeah, I think I think it was Beck's choice. Was there something for Kate? And I just, Echolalia was the. Uh, there was an asshole just ragging on it the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember right. how the end of but these songs know, go. We, we, we had a CD stack in our car. We, because I, I remember we went to buy the car stereo and dad said, oh, why don't we just get a CD player? I was like, no, 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 I've got a lot of tapes. We still want a tape player. So we had to have a tape player in the dashboard 
And so then it was like our only option was to put a CD stacker under the driver's seat. As far as convenience goes, take cassettes were boss. I tell you what really shits me, and I know that you don't like it either. And I'm going to stop you there because someone's knocking at your door. Okay. Okay, so, well, we're back. The Coles man has been. I forgot that the grocery man was coming. <laughs> the real professionals <laughs> got around yeah. here. And I, so, I feel bad because you were just ramping up as the Coles man knocked on the door. Yes, but uh, what we're talking about... So, there's been a big resurgence in vinyl in mm. the last, what we say, 10 years? Um, yeah. And just as, as, as uh, an aside... <laughs> and aside to an aside to an aside, I think we're originally talking about the Beatles. But anyway, um, that uh, the, you're talking about the uh, Aldi mm. records. Yes, I, I was reading an article a few years back when records were. Re- I was really starting to notice them, like they got Coming their own aisle at JB Hi-Fi. Yeah, uh, that there was this uh, plant pressing plant in Germany that had survived the the uh, death of vinyl mm. and all of a sudden it had come back and the, they're in demand mm. and there was nobody else to to press these records yeah. and and they had survived through sheer force of will and uh, mm. and and just really just an effort to keep it going even mm. in the face of just oh, no man. demand it must have been it must have been impossible and then they just couldn't they couldn't all of a sudden overnight they just couldn't keep up with the demand at all yeah so well i mean and so many people are like finding these derelict pressing plants and stuff like that and pause and i'll get you another beer yeah that's all right i'll fill the airtime but i probably would have rambled on for the same amount of time anyway but yeah but it it is really interesting that they um that it, it sort of has sprung up overnight but my point being that uh that uh with vinyl, there's a point to it. And we've, oh, that's the, that's the sound of the Graham Mills podcast. <laughs> well, it is today. Not beer whisk- cast today. Beer cast, not whiskey it's cast. It's not scotch cast Scotch today. cast. Um, you know, this is the sound of... Hey! <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, when Bill's here, we do a beer cast. We do sort of a, <laughs> a hybrid hybrid uh, beer and, and, Bill's and whiskey Bill's vagina cast. yeast. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's a callback. That's some strong callback. Like I said, I've been, I've been, I've done my homework. I have gone back and um, binge listened to the Graham Mills podcast. Well, okay, so I've doubled your listening numbers. <laughs> I know Wilco's, Wilco's at home. They're going ah. Once he's golden ticket. Once he's put his penis away. Ah, Wilco. <laughs> I know you love me, but. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah so vinyls come back and there's and as we said that that's it's an understandable thing and something that i'm glad to see yeah uh, well the, the funny thing is too is that back in the day when cds were or you had unless you taped it from somebody or yeah. uh, burning cds was still it, it was a thing back then but it was something that was really like you had to know somebody you had to know that, someone with a cd, CD burner, burner and yeah. and with an actual music collection yes. because there was no down, downloading stuff. You know, like take no. you five hours just to download half a song back then. And yeah. Or you had to know someone who had managed to acquire a burnt CD of MP3. Like Greg, Greg had this seat. I remember the first time I went to Greg's place and he put this CD in his computer and it had like 600 songs on it. And I was like, that's amazing. How do you do that? And I didn't realize what it was at the time. Um, Steve Fay, who he went to school Careful. with. 
Sorry, Steve <laughs> had all this illegal shit. No, no, he he had he had acquired a collection of music by recording it off the radio. He was the first person who I ever was introduced to an MP3 player. Yeah, he brought one to school, and, and he had a mini. He he ran with mini disc for a while. Like he he tried a few different things. Yeah, and I remember uh, on the uh, on the other side of that, he was also a guy who brought in like a little old school forty five yeah record player, and he had the single of Please Please yeah, Me. I remember that. Yeah. But, um, which got scratched because he brought it to school. I remember that he was devastated, as as you would be. More fool him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> don't bring a record player to school, kids. I'm still waiting to to see him come out in a turtleneck somewhere with a, <laughs> a billion dollar billion dollar tech company or something. Yeah. Better. Yeah. Um, shout out to Steve. He Faye is if you're Elon out Musk. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's not go there. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Elon beep, Musk. beep out his surname for us. We'll just call him Steve. He's in a little bit of trouble at the moment. Elon Musk <laughs> shouldn't have had that blunt on the Joe Rogan podcast. It's really, it was really interesting to me actually because I, I um, watch and listen to Joe Rogan's podcast a yeah, lot. You're like a big I've, fan. I've, I've been yeah. a fan of that for a long time, and so, but it's funny. I, I started watching that episode because I'm really interested to mm. see that, and Elon Musk. Uh, I'm not. I'm not uh, great at speaking at length off the cuff. I uh, really and um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, okay. and go into tangents yeah. and go hip, hip, and stop halfway through. So you like to guy, have a plan. Yeah. That guy is like a robot. He is not Mark. for someone so incredibly intelligent. He really has that uh, Mark Zuckerberg thing going on, where it was painful to mm. listen to him, not in an embarrassing way. But just, it was so hard to follow him. And I, I, I like someone like... Uh, I'll have to listen to it. I, I haven't listened to it. I, I, I couldn't get through there. five minutes of right. it. Right, okay. Uh, even when we went through that, they do clips of it where there's mm. significant parts that you can watch that are like three to five minutes long. Mm. And it's like, I can't follow this guy. Wow. It's like Obama used to speak really slowly. He would stop. Yep. Think about what he's saying. Which is fine. I mean, most people fill that gap with ums and ers and ahs yes. and everything anyway. So he was very measured in how he spoke and he, and he meant what he said. It was very deliberate what he said. But mm. this was something else entirely. This guy, he would just stop and go. Like, there have been, right. like, meme, like juicy meme-like <laughs> videos where he's, like, talking about AI. There's a great one on Instagram where he's talking about AI and he's like, I tried to warn them. And they make the movements of his eyes with a sound effect, like. <laughs> but, but so it was really interesting to me. My point about that before we get off the earth, it was really interesting to me. Did they to, put the Terminator soundtrack over the top? Oh, it's great. I'll send it to you. And they cut to like Mark Zuckerberg going, well, you see, I, I was a human. I mean, I am a human. <laughs> it's like Terminator. Great. I'll send it to you, dude. But, um, but. But my point being is it's really interesting to see, that, to see that blow up because he smoked yeah. weed on that. And when Joe Rogan is just... Unless he has someone... Because he, he, he has everyone on that. She has like uh, doctors and, and scientists. They and all, do they all have really to smoke weed? Is that the to, no, but, premise? but when he has his friends on, he's right. like lit as oh, yeah. <laughs> So to see that, to see Elon Musk was like the two worlds collide <laughs> and everyone just flipped out about it. I'm like, yeah, it's just Joe Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, back to the point. We're talking about vinyl and 
<clears throat> so I get that. And like I said to begin with, it's not a hipster thing with me where it's like, vinyl's cool, man. Yeah. No. There's there's a reason why I like it. There's back, a nostalgia to it. Back when you. I was in high school, back to what we were saying about when you had to buy CDs, yeah. it was really just a way of having music. I had a turntable and I... I had old records from mum and dad. I used to go and Absolutely. buy vinyls from a place called Rice's, which is still going yep. in Newcastle Rice's now. And, and actually, Rice's is a great a... place. They do turntable repairs too. Just a little shout out for Rice's. <laughs> Good old Rice's. But I'm amazed they're still going in the, yeah. the, the, the little hole in the wall. But I remember shop, but... we used to go there. And I mean, uh, I wish I could go back to those days because we used to go there during school holidays and stuff. So we're talking 99, 2000. Yeah. You and I used to go to Rice's. Bought and you so could many buy great records there. Amazing records there for a dollar, two dollars. We, we bought yeah. some records there. And see, I never, I never gave up on vinyl. Like I loved yeah. records all the way through the nineties. Um, so that's why it's not a hipster revival thing for me. It's just always been there. Um, there was probably about five or six years there when my turntable was packed away because we were moving house and stuff yep, like that. Sure. But then, um, but no, like, I mean, you and I always loved listening it to records. Was... I, I had a record player. I bought a, a, that Sony stereo system I bought in the late yep. 90s or my parents got for me as a birthday present. I had a record player and I was adamant it had to have a record player. Well, by then you couldn't buy records unless it, they were secondhand. It was a really practical thing for me at that yeah. time. It, it was like, well, this is where I can get a copy of that album. I yeah. have that album on a vinyl. Yeah. And that's how, like, I learned there was a bit I was <laughs> writing years ago that's how long i've been planning to do stand-up comedy but uh it there was a bit that i was doing but i don't i I don't want the uh the addition of having to lug a guitar and having to do that kind of thing oh music but uh, but yeah but the idea that vinyl this sound quality is so great you know i'm like well and, and and sort of in the bit was like uh yeah it's so great like i i had I used to go and buy records when I was mm. a teenager because that's, you know, or if you, you didn't have the get, CD yeah. or tape, that, that, that's, that's or you, you tape off get. the radio, that's what you had. Yeah. And the sound quality is so good that I learned how to play like Beatles songs yeah. in a way that you can't hear it on a digital copy. Mm. And it was like, and, and just mimicking the sound of a record where it's like, Hey Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it be- better, better, better. We did the stop. Nah, 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 nah. We're going to push the needle across to the next. Yeah, screen. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I've, I've lost yeah. a bit of the, the the delivery of that, but that was basically the idea. Yeah, the sound quality is so great. That's how I learned to play that song. And yeah, but uh, yeah, all of your S's sound like shh. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go to the yellow submarine. And then I think it was like you go to the CD. And it's like, uh, hey, you don't make it bye 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 bye. No, wait, it's before it. Before it's the. That's when you know you're in trouble with the CD. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? And you're like, oh no, I'm in trouble. Yeah, but and then you get a tape where it's slight. No two tape players, and this brings us back to our point. No two tape players ever played or recorded at the same speed as the other. Because I remember we had a Sony, was it a Sony or a Sanyo, which I know that sounds dodgy, but back in the day, it was <laughs> Back a in the day, unit. Sanyo made really good, good um, hi-fi stuff, yeah. And I think even the one we replaced it with was a Marantz. Marantz is amazing quality. Yeah, yeah, so we had a good hi-fi. Was that the home. one that had the pitch control on it? Yes, yes. That your uncle gave you or something or other, or somebody yes, you knew yes. gave you from no, a that's repair right. yeah, store yeah. or something, yeah. Um, we just kept sending him the old Sanyo unit. 
too many times is like we'll just have just this have one. this Marantz one. <laughs> so, but yeah, and I had a good Sony Walkman, mm. and it would just the pitch would be off just enough for you. That doesn't sound yeah. right. You, I mean, um, uh, <laughs> the irony here is that I'm the music teacher, but you have a much better understanding of pitch than I do. And I remember you came to my place and I can't remember, I think you brought your copy of Whispering Jack or something like that to my place to play on my turntable. And I'd put it on and you said, Lame. And, you, and, <laughs> <laughs> and but I'd, I'd, I'd put it on and you like sat there like twitching going, that's flat. Like that is playing slow. And I was like, no, it's, it's fine. It's, it's fine. You're like, no, no, that's playing slow. Something is wrong with your turntable. And sure enough, when I investigated, the belt had stretched on the turntable yeah. from years of sitting in, or five years of sitting in storage. It had stretched and it wasn't playing at full speed. So I bought new belts and you brought it over again and I put it on. You went, oh no, that's fixed. That's great. And yeah. I was, I was, my mind was blown because it was a very small yeah. fraction. Yeah. Well, it, it was the same thing. You helped me with the adjustment on my cheap little yeah. turntable. Well, not cheap in relatively cheap in relation the to base model audio technica audio technica makes great, great turntables yeah yeah i it's highly great, endorse audio technica and if they would model. like to send me a free turntable <laughs> they are more than welcome to i'll take the next level up <laughs> At my size is speaking expensive. of i am drinking cooper's beer today cooper's oh, for all <laughs> my running joke with damien over the years is he has he has a cooper's uh you still have your polo shirt i had a range cooper's insignia sewn into it was the- just it was just something about being uh growing up in adelaide and uh getting into cooper's beer and i was buying every time i was going there i was just buying merchandise and every time way, i was at the airport just the way that you would talk about it, it was just such a mm, subtle thing cooper's you just go mm, this coop with the label out <laughs> Like yes. Label facing out. Mm, yeah. This Coopers is really Coopers. good. Good folks, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the good taste of Coopers. Good like, taste, good South Australian but quality. Of who Coopers. are you talking to? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I, I understand vinyl. vinyl yeah. There's a whole thing that goes along with vinyl. Yeah. You can be a, a douchebag and say that it sounds better. I, to me, it's like something that I really like, an album that a record that I really love. That's worth buying on vinyl yeah even if i buy a new copy of it it's not like an old Listen, pressing of original thing of it it's the sound quality is good it's marred by the clicks and pops and the what they call inner groove distortion which is as as you as the needle moves further inside the the record the speed that it is actually passing by the needle slows down yeah. as a result of the circle right so as you get closer to the inside and the angle of, man, this is so nerdy and scientific, but no, no, the, no, the angle of the needle changes as well. You don't get as good separation and, right. and blah, blah, blah. So as you get closer to the inside of the record, you get more distortion. Um, and so all of those things mar the sound of the vinyl. When you're playing right on the outside, like the very first track on, on either side, that's going to sound good. Take out the, cr- the clicks and pops, it's going to sound good. But that's why I take on anyone who says that the sound quality on a record is better than a CD. I disagree with them. Mm. I don't think the quality is better. I think it's a different sound. Yeah. And it's a different experience that I quite like. And that's why I listen to records, but it's not better. Experience being the key word. Yeah. It's a, it's an experience of, I mean, uh, j- just an aside, as an aside, Chris, how many times are I going to say that <laughs> before I just accept that? At this, least you haven't this, said at the end this, of the day. This podcast, at the, at the end of the day, there's just too many asides. Too many asides. <laughs> but, uh, well, 
through my through my impetuous youth, through my twenties, I moved around a lot and uh, didn't give a crap about things that yeah. I owned. That yeah. I look back, plenty of years for regret. Regret, yeah. Uh, and one one being that I had a pretty good substantial vinyl collection handed mm. down to me from my parents. Yeah, and that just sort of got left behind when I moved and had a falling out with and just Friends never and went stuff, back yeah. and I just went, ah, oh, well, I don't play them anymore anyway. Yeah, who cares? Um, and uh, so I just thought I just accepted these vinyls yeah. as long gone, started listening to records again. Jess bought me, a, uh, my wife bought me a turntable. You said some stolen in, a, in a, a robbery at one stage too, I remember. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think that's more CDs than... Yeah. Than, than vinyl, but a few of yours are in there. <laughs> well, no, I remember because I bought you some of the records that got stolen. Uh, mm. I bought some Queen ones from a, a record store in Adelaide. That white vinyl one just yeah, drives me white, crazy. White vinyl made in heaven. Made in heaven. Queen, and news of the world and, and after stuff. After Freddie died. But, which um, I, I, I picked up. And, and I mean, that, that's a great example of I went into this store in um, Hindley Street in Adelaide and bought records for like pennies. Like they were crazy yeah. cheap. And I brought them home for you. Like I bought them and just gave them to you and said, here, you will lovely, you will love these. And, um, and then they were stolen because of a burglary of oh, the, the house ridiculous. you were living in at the time. And, um, yeah, crazy, ridiculous. But yeah, I lost a lot of good vinyls, mm. uh, and ones that I had collected too. Like mm. I had, uh, speaking of queen, I had like the miracle and I yeah. had, the, I, I might've even had the works and all this stuff, stuff that would take me regardless of the costs would just oh. take a lot of searching and, and it was just stuff collected over a, a, a good and few you'd, years. And you'd be paying of, full price now for those yeah, exactly. secondhand as well. Exactly. So but tapes are shit. Can we get back to the yeah, point I know about we keep tapes? Get, we keep going <laughs> dancing around the Because we still got Phil Collins to talk about too. Cassettes are crap. <laughs> but yes, I get the thing with vinyl. There's a good reason to own vinyl yeah. and for it to come back, even though that we have technology that's more convenient. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, and clearer, arguably, yep. and, and and all the rest of it, but there, but the fact that I, I don't know if it's still a thing or whether it's past. You're more in touch with the youth. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> don't say well, you've, that. well, I wasn't sure if I. I, I I'm should... hip with the kids. I'm down with it. I got the four one one. But but I, I know it was definitely a thing that cassettes. Were yeah. a thing they, they again. Are, yeah, they now, are. That's just dumb. Cassettes were yeah. a stopgap. Yeah. They were a very convenient stopgap for a lot of years. But a cassette was something that you had. It was a middle ground. It was something mm. that you could play on your person in a Walkman. Mm. It was something that you could use to record. Well, my parents, yeah. we had a stack of tapes. We rarely listened to vinyls if we had it on a cassette. Yep. The idea was you buy the vinyl, you, buy the vinyl, you, take, you take, you make it. a good. Qu- the best quality tape you the can make of it. The first time you play the record, that was the same thing when I was growing up. The first time you play the record, you tape it, and then you listen to the tape. When the tape wears out, you get the record out of the cupboard again, and you make another tape. Or if you, or if you've had a few beers and you want to be a douchebag, you go, oh, I'll pull the vinyl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen to this classic. record, son. I'll show you what music's all about. Can I just say that's classic party at my parents' place in the late eighties, early nineties? <laughs> was like when mum and dad, no, not mum, but when dad got drunk enough, he'd get the records out. Yeah. And so you knew it was a good party when dad would get the records out um, because the tapes would be put away, and he'd say, "No, let's go to the source." <laughs> uh, um, yes. <yeah. laughs> But I mean, that just everything about them 
there's there's no redeeming features mm. compared to a CD or or uh, MP3s or streaming streaming music. No, it's so, just, so there are, there are two sides to this argument, right? There are the people. Like there are two sides to a goddamn cassette. <laughs> So on side A, um, there are you and I who think that cassettes very much are a substandard quality because they are shit quality. Like the sound coming off of a cassette is... Yeah, and you can have... You could have had the the best quality tape player and Dolby yep. and them little, yep. the, the little EQ bars and you could yep. dance around it with all you like. Yep. But at the end of the day, you're dealing with... At with, the end of the day, with a tiny bit of a tiny strip of magnetic cheap tape. Yeah, and look, it runs at. A, I mean, the technical side of it is is that cassettes run at a very slow speed, one and seven mm-hmm. eighth inches per second. Um, it's a exceptionally slow slow speed. When you think about the studio quality tape, runs at fifteen inches per second up to thirty inches per second. Tape runs at one and seven eighths inches per second. Mm-hmm. That's not a lot of time. The frequency range is highly reduced as a result. And you put Dolby into that as well. That's a whole nother issue. Dolby. And and then just the hiss, um, wow and flutter, which is like the pitch change because of tape stretching and whatnot. Um, And then just the difference, you know, the the state of people's heads and stuff like that. Now, listen, I know that I sound like a massive hypocrite because a turntable is, you know, has all of those things as well. Like a turntable has background hiss. But you're playing a record for a reason. Cassettes were... Merely a matter of convenience. I, I believe that. I, I never bought... We... I mean, I don't know if you're, you're never the buying same. a cassette for the quality of it or for the yeah. experience of putting a piece of crap plastic <laughs> into a machine, clunk, and then having it chew the tape. Well, that was the end bit of that <laughs> that old um, stand-up bit that I banded. It was like... And then you've got the tape that never sounds quite right. And it's like, hey, Jude, mm. don't make a <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no! <laughs> And then you there was definitely the- much more danger in losing a cassette. Oh, like, for sure. You know, they were such a they were much more fragile, I think, than a record. Um, like uh, we never bought. Well, my my parents had a couple of like commercially made cassettes that they had purchased pre-recorded, like pre-recorded cassettes. But for the most part, our cassette collection when I was growing up was stuff we'd recorded off of the old Maxil records. Yeah, old yeah. Maxil C no, or the, the TDK C nineties yeah. So you could write the uh, write the, the song titles on the back. Oh, I was meticulous about to. I'd write oh, the date me too. The date. No was, noise reduction. I'd tip, tick that box. I was very much about that. No, I, that lo- I did love that. We never had a tape uh, pre-recorded cassette in our house. They were the yeah, devil okay. to my old man. We had. I'll some... never buy a pre-recorded tape. What's the point? Yeah. Uh, the only point, and, and it actually he was right. The only mm. point of a tape is that you put something it's a onto backup. it. That yeah, you put something yeah. onto it that uh, that's convenient, but yeah. you don't. You know, I'm not paying for that. No, and and I agree with that. But uh, there's this whole new, and and I will throw this one end down. There is a whole new hipster crowd who are thinking about the '90s distribution of like underground punk bands and that kind of thing, where cassette was the way to get your music out there. They want to hit play. They want to hear that hiss. They want to hear that wow and flutter. They want to hear that overemphasis of the bass. But it's a generation that didn't even have that. It's yeah. like chicks getting around in like midriffs and high waisted jeans yeah. and blossom hats. It's like you weren't even <laughs> friggin' there. You weren't even there. <laughs> And I know it's it's paramount to like when we were in senior high school and the seventies sort of fashion was in you know, like we were wearing you like weren't even long, you weren't even alive. Yeah, but 
but even the nostalgia, there's a comedian that I follow on Instagram, Brian Posehn. Uh, did you ever watch Back to the, uh, Back to the, shoot me. Back, uh, just back shoot to the shoot me, me. Just, just shoot, shoot me. me back yeah. in the day. And there was the male yes. guy, Kevin, the big Kevin, guy. Kevin, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Really awkward. It's like, you know that sound an owl makes yeah. when you keep it in the bath too long? <laughs> 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 I just specifically remember that I love that, that guy. But I follow, he's a massive nerd. He plays that metalhead. same character in a number of different TV shows, if I remember right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. tight. It's, it's, when, when you're a big giant dude that looks like that, I guess it's easy yeah. to be typecast. <laughs> but he was great in that role. He was funny, oh, like, yeah. as an Ansley character. Yeah. It's not a, a great show, but that's a yeah. that's a conversation for another day. Um, <laughs> David Spade hated um, bad. Oh, Spade's, Spade is my Spade is really good. Spade is my favorite person to follow on Instagram with the stories. Okay. He, they're great. Yeah. I'll have to And it's basically that. just yeah. all him like following a guy with a leaf blower. It's like a continuing <laughs> saga of a guy with a leaf blower. And the continuing <laughs> saga because they've outlawed um scooters. Okay. Where he lives in LA. Oh really? Okay. And so he's always like doing like citizens arrests. <laughs> but um but yeah so that guy I follow Brian Posehn on uh, on Instagram. Okay. And He's a real old school metalhead and he's mm. he picks up old tapes of like Judas Priest and stuff yeah. that he used to have. Yep. Okay, so I'll, I'll grant you that. Okay. That at least with him, there's a nostalgia that I used to have yeah, this I, thing. I think there's that element. Like we have that same thing with records. But there are people who have that thing with cassettes. Nobody's saying, oh, you know what? To hell with Netflix or Blu-ray or DVD. I, what I really want is a big meaty VHS. <laughs> It's coming. It's coming. In I am predicting it right now. There's going to be a VHS uh, resurgence. Yeah. Do you know what? The, how, how how much regard I have for VHS? Okay, so you can't see this, but I have <laughs> my speaker next to my desk mm-hmm. is not mounted on anything. But no, to have it there, it. it's mounted on. Uh, you a, have one, a not spare, two. You've just got one. A spare Sony speaker that I, I don't use because I've just I've got more speakers than I do hi-fi oh, units. Don't we all? And then, so from the bottom up, it goes the actual Sony hi-fi unit that I use, Mm -hmm. that I run my computer through, skip one, a spare speaker, and then the actual speaker I use on top of that. Mm -hmm. The thing I skipped was my old VHS (laughs) VCR video cassette recorder. There it is. Is it a forehead or a six head? Ah, see, that one would have been a forehead. Ah, yes. We started off with a two head mono. Ah, two head mono, no long play. I believe this one. Let me just have a quick look. (laughs) Does it do long play? That's what I want to know. No, no, we don't fancy crap like that. (laughs) Oh, actually, no, the one that we got after that, we had it with a DVD and video player. It was like Mm -hmm. the size of your house. Yeah. It was like the size of the computer they used to send the first rocket to the moon. (laughs) When I was a kid, we didn't have a CD player, but we were the only people in our family that had a V8 uh, a VCR with long play oh you guys were set up back in the day I well, remember coming around and watching Terminator you had Terminator 2 and you had like surround sound uh, that was that was Your after yeah that was TV was on a like a, a yeah, motorised swivel you could turn the TV with the remote listen that was later in the day I mean but before that what I really got out of that was that uh, my parents were tight asses because they wanted to get six hours out of a three our video cassette. Yeah, because video was never great quality <laughs> to begin with. So let's reduce the quality by half, yes. and that's what we're going to watch. <laughs> so, you know, we used to buy, you know, what were they, E180 cassettes, which yes. were supposed to be three hours. We could get six hours on those on those bitches. I remember I, I taped The Simpsons basically 
all of it. Yeah, I remember all you had of the not. And yeah. I had, I used to have one of those corner desks with the shelves on it, and the tapes went all the way around, yep. almost twice. So one and a half loops of this. So show. impressive. And I would cut all the ads out. I was meticulous with it. And then ah. South Park started, so I had oh, to have God. that. And it's funny now, I look back, I'm looking at... I can't even see my hard drive is obscured <laughs> by a small photo frame. But it probably has all of that <laughs> on it. Everything yeah. on it. Yeah. Even the DVDs of The Simpsons that yeah. I inherited from mum yeah. take up like the space of... Because, of course, Graham, Graham has done this all legally, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's what I always thought was funny. There used to be a thing for people that don't remember called G code. And you have a code. Oh my a, god. That is a, a blast from the past. You would have your TV guide <laughs> and they would have and the, after like all the show the six the, number the, code the show listings, they yeah. would have G code. Yeah. And you would t- program this into a v, v VCR. I keep going to say VHSR. <laughs> Back of the VHSR. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, God, is there a Betamax equivalent of that or is it? Yeah, well. Oh, God, let's uh, not get started on Betamax. What a different world we would live in. Oh, it yeah. seems like one of those things like uh, uh, Pat Oswalt, the comedian, used to do this bit about how he feel, felt like after, uh, after George Bush got elected that we sprung off into this alternate reality. But there's somewhere else, there's a world where Al Gore won and the towers didn't fall <laughs> and, <laughs> and everything's just sort of sprung off in a different direction from there. I feel like if we'd had beta, which was the superior... Superior. It was used in broadcast to, Just goes to show years. you that you can't... That nothing is uh, more powerful than marketing. There's a couple of things that are really... You know, Betamax is a, is a great example of... A format that was superior that got pushed down by something exactly. else. And like marketing. Yeah. Money um, and marketing. In the early nineties, digital cassettes, which really didn't take off but should have, um, I think was probably because and, and I I feel like Sony is always behind yeah. The demise of the superior thing and i feel like it's i mean i think sony were behind betamax and i'll be happy to be corrected there by all of our thousands of listeners if they want to write in get on it wilco <laughs> <laughs> after he's put his penis away uh, it's like i feel like sony's always been behind it so like in the early 90s phillips came out with the digital compact cassette which was the shape of a normal cassette and their players would play standard cassettes as well as digital cassettes yeah. and sony came out and said not nah, that we're releasing dat, dat and everyone needs to do dat. <laughs> yes. And so then like there was this again format war and then they couldn't decide, you know, and so then because there was a format war that neither of them really took off. Sony came out with mini disc and it didn't really yeah. take off, but I'm trying to think if anyone had anything alternative. I don't think there was. But then like even when MP3 came out, Sony came out and said, nah, we've got A track three. Everyone needs to put their files in A track three. You remember that? There is also something that's uh, that sprung up that we haven't mentioned in the timeline of uh, of music of audio um, uh, products is the eight track. And oh, you know the eight what? track! I only just learned what the hell an eight track actually is yeah. the, other, the other day, like within the last week. As in, why it's called an eight we track? We used to have in the in what become my bedroom when uh, I'm the eldest. So once my brother come along, I got shunted out of the good room <laughs> into the spare room and all the spare stuff just got pushed into the corner. It didn't get moved. We didn't have a garage. Or yeah. <laughs> and it used to have like, it was, it was on its own little hi-fi stand that had its own speakers and everything, but it was just a relic from before I was even born. 
And it was this th- weird thing that you looked like a stereo, but it, yeah, it was, a, it was a whole unit. It had its own speakers with it and everything. Wow. Um, and it was, a, yeah, big full on eight track player. And there were actually a few cartridges because that's what the hell they were. They were, they were cartridges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were cartridges like something you plug into an mm. Atari. Actually, bigger than that even. Bigger than that. So, yeah. and, and I always wondered what the hell that meant. Yeah. Like an eight track. I mean, even well before I knew anything, anything mm. about recording or anything like that. I'm like, How can it be an eight track? What well, does that mean that it has? Like most albums mm. have at least ten songs on them, ten so, tracks. That's not it. So I'm not. I'm not telling you anything new, but for the listeners, an eight track basically means that the cassette, the the, the tape that they use, the magnetic tape, is wide enough to hold eight tracks, which means that yeah. So a standard cassette has you four have, tracks. Yeah. You have. The left tracks, and right for, for the both left sides. and right goes one way, and then on the other side you have yeah. the left and right that goes the other way. Yeah. There's the four tracks. An eight track, but they would have separate things that you could click. You'll explain this much more elegantly than yeah. I can. But you would have you would be able to jump over yeah. from because you had simultaneous tracks running on the same bit of tape. Yeah. You would be able to jump over from one So what how did that work? Did you have different albums on so the same eight eight track as opposed to cassette? Cassette uh, to play side B, the cassette has to go in the opposite direction. Yes, a, you, the way the A-track c- cartridge is set up, it always goes in the same direction. It always plays in the same direction. It has this really weird infinity um, And you move the thing. playhead over. Yeah, so then you had four programs, they called it. Four yes. programs you could go to. And so albums were divided up into four programs or sides, I guess we would call them. And you, yeah. and you could get between... But like albums were had to be... Like songs had to be rearranged... Yeah, it's just fit ridiculous. The four programs, like Sergeant Pepper. If you buy Sergeant Pepper on eight track, the song order is different to if you buy it on CD or on record or on cassette. It's a different order in order to fit the songs into the four sides or the four programs of an eight track. It's really fascinating. I I, I have never seen an eight track. I've never used. Yeah, one. we had we had a, a big full on actual unit. Yeah, right. Like the size of an old VCR. Yeah, okay. With the buttons where you would actually change it over and you would stick it in and it would stick out of the slot. Yeah. Like it was like a video player, but yeah, like like an Atari cartridge. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. It's amazing the dead ends that I, I have to think that they, even though these things are dead ends, that they contributed to. The oh, progression definitely. of the technology. I, that- I, there's a there's a YouTube channel. There's a guy in England. Uh, he has a YouTube channel called Technomone. Um, I highly recommend it. He basically buys all of these old formats that haven't gone anywhere and does these fantastic videos looking at how they work and stuff like that. He's looked at a thing called an L cassette, which is basically a giant cassette tape. It's a big cassette tape. But at the same time, he's also bought like a hi-fi quality dictaphone remember the little micro cassettes the little dictaphone cassettes? i had one you had one i remember because we recorded some stuff at school on it but like he's bought like hi-fi deck quality micro cassette wow. recorders because they existed so he just goes through all of these exist you know extinct formats and puts them to a test and he buys all this new old stock particularly from japan because i mean that's where all this stuff was really big he buys all of this stuff and then does these videos on it i find it fascinating all these formats that didn't go anywhere uh uh these records these like optical disc record things that had video recorded on them in the early 80s or something or other so it was like before laser disc yeah which is an extinct format in itself that thing was over before it began (laughs) 
But he's like talking like even 10 years before that, this giant optical disc that you shoved into a player and it was video. It was video um, like like a laser disc for the early 80s. So crazy stuff. That's amazing. Isn't it? The microchip has really turned everything around, hasn't it? Doc, all the best stuff has it's been in Japan. Japan. <laughs> <laughs> what? Those rice flingers? Oh, God. Deleted scene. Racist, Doc. Deleted scene. <laughs> rice flingers. I don't even think that's a term. I just made up a racist term. That was that was sitting way too readily <laughs> available flingers. in my cortex. That's, that's been sitting there for a while. Like, <laughs> no, 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 that just came straight fresh off the right. fresh out of the oven. So, cassettes are shit. But I want to ask you a question. Yes. Um, if if you knew somebody who you respected, like or someone famous, like you were just talking about Joe Rogan as as a, as a podcast sure. sort of um, um, inspiration. Sure. If he if you knew that he or someone like him or someone famous that you respected was listening to your podcast, would it change the way? Would it change anything about how you do your podcast? Maybe a year ago. Yeah. Definitely. Now, funnily enough, through sort of his influence and a couple of other ones, Mark Barron is a good mm. one. He, he he was the sort of one of the first podcasts I got into. Ricky Gervais's podcast mm. is just wild. Okay. That, I've listened to that whole series twice. Okay. Because it's just, it, it really is, if you find it, if you don't find it funny, just don't listen to it. Yep. Because, but if you, if that's, if it makes you laugh, you will just cry laughing at, mm. that, at that show. And that, and it really was one of the first ones out there. Mark Marin is a great interviewer. He has mm. really interesting people on. If he has someone good on, he's mm. really worth listening to. Mm. I love the Alan Alder episode of oh you listened to that yeah that, that was, was the fantastic. first the first thing i listened to and i think it was because you shared real, it yeah online. i did yeah and um, he's a really lovely fascinating guy I, actually i think that is the reason i downloaded i mean because i'm an android person so i don't have like the podcasts apple app because i don't have an apple phone yeah i think it was the the first time i downloaded a podcast app yeah it's like i want to get into podcasting i mean i have an hour a one hour commute to work and from work every day so i thought podcasts would be good and, uh, yeah, I listened to that episode and uh, it was a great episode. Yeah, Alan Alder yeah. is, is a fascinating person to listen to talk. His history Absolutely. and his vaudeville parents and all that kind of stuff. And I just, just I love, fascinating. I love anyone with an attitude, with a good at who's in show business, especially mm. a veteran like him that has a good attitude yes. about it. Like, Does he ever? I, a, I thought Alan Alder would be a prick. I, I don't know yeah. why I thought that. I just had this impression in my head that he was going to be a prick. Yeah. And he turned out to be really fascinating and really, really generous. Really enthusiastic about... Yeah, generous. Really enthusiastic word. about talking about... Passing on the what industry, he knows. Talking and about learning, mash And learning well. more. To, yeah, exactly. I mean, MASH being something that yeah. ended the year that we were born, but was... Yeah. A, phenomenal even in australia it must have been a big thing because you could just see him being the sort of person who is just like no i don't want to talk about that that's in the past but he was not yeah. like that at all he was so respectful of what that show was and what it was not just to him but to everyone it was anyway before sorry. well before the resurgence of star wars and everything's become mm. saturated with it again Mark Hamill, and this comes back to something that I forgot, a podcast that I forgot about that was a big influence, is Kevin Smith, mm. uh, Silent Bob. Mm. Uh, he was, I used to drive to gigs and listen to his podcast. It's very hit or miss. I could listen yeah. to his podcast and it would go for stretches where I'd go, 
I'm going to turn this off. Yep. Or my thoughts and my mind would start to wander and I go, he's not just, engaging. He's just enough, babbling yeah. on with crap. Yep. But that's where, how it has to work with him. But when okay. it would work, I, I, I had to pull over one night of the way up to uh, Musselbrook because I couldn't see the road. I was just <laughs> crying, laughing so much. So that's where I sort of started. And that's how James and I sort of got into it. Right. Uh, that was my Kevin mindset Smith's was stuff. Kevin Smith. And it was sort of him and Mark Marin. Which is one of the things I can't listen to them fucking intros that I do right. on them old podcasts because it was a you're trying to do Mark Marin or something. Or yeah, not so much trying to copy, but that's that's sort of you the, thought that was what a figuring podcast out, had to be figuring out the format yep. and how I would do it and yep. stuff. And, and that's what like, he does. And 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 um, he makes I, he makes a joke in his show, self titled show Marin, where he's kind of playing a fictionalized version of himself. Sure. People people that he slips that joke in there all the time. Oh, you're that guy, that podcast. Yeah, you're really good. You know then parts after the bit where everybody fast forward <laughs> talking isn't it, isn't it funny how anyone who and, I, and I'm guilty of the same thing anyone who like starts oh, getting into some uh, just whippersnipping it's just it's somebody murder, murdering someone next door to <laughs> just a body mulcher it is Rutherford uh, going through uh, anyone who starts listening to podcasts just instantly thinks they can make a podcast yeah. and I'm guilty of the same thing because I've been listening to podcasts and all I can think about is oh yeah I should totally do one and I'm here right now doing the, this with but you the, but the other side of that is too is that you kind of can oh, of course anyone can it's like well it's like um I think back to Colbert Report and the old um, capitalist, ultra capitalist character he used to play back when he was funny. Uh, <laughs> I hate, I hate the new late show. That's a whole nother. Current Colbert. Yeah, don't don't like it. Okay. I like that. That show was perfect, and he left that to do something that was completely less relevant, less funny, mm. less interesting. That, nah, but but he used to always say, "I'm a free market guy." <laughs> Anyone who knows me knows I'm a free market guy, and. There are some things, uh, uh, being a lefty, uh, communist liberal <laughs> like I am, there are some things that I think you should just let the market decide. Like James and I have talked about Louis C.K. before mm. and the whole backlash about him waving his penis around yeah. at people. And, and everyone's upset at the moment about him coming back and doing stand-up comedy and stuff. And I mean, that's a whole other conversation that I'll undoubtedly have with James <laughs> next time. But... But my answer to that is, I'm not sure how I feel about because I'm a hu- I was a huge he's a huge influence You're on You're a massive Louis C.K. But you destroyed all of your DVDs of him. Yeah, when, when I it all tend happened. to overreact to things a lot. Just a, just a bit sips on a beer. <laughs> but um, but there are some things I think just let the market decide. Yeah. And what the hell were we talking about? I don't know. <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> a podcast, podcast, and um, yeah. So. Mark Maron, yeah, great interviewer, but not something that I could relate to something that I could do mm. myself. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, a free market. Yeah, let the free market. Anyone can do a podcast. It's kind of the beauty of it. Mm. People will decide whether they want to listen to it or not. And I think it depends on what and you it's want to... Not, it's not hurting anybody, and it's not... Well, it costs me 16 bucks a month on SoundCloud to okay. put it out and to, to host hold, it. To yeah. hold it. Yeah. There. But, I mean, really, it's there. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not burning up any network money. I'm not... Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it, I think it depends on what you want to get out of it. I mean, if 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 people like yourself just want to get their their thoughts and their conversations out yeah, there, I, I, I love so doing, be it. You I can love do that. doing it, and, and I you get know, a kick us out just of being seeing that somebody that people around the world are listening to totally. actually listening. And to us it. just being here this afternoon is 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 a great kick 
you know, and is, is reward enough in itself. I don't care if no one listens to this, our rambling shit. You know, it's the people who want to make something. And what I've noticed is that from listening to a couple of podcasts, and I don't listen to a huge range of them, but I listen to a couple of them. Um, it's like, if you want to have a successful podcast, you want to turn it into something that can be um, lucrative, then yeah. you've basically got to ride the coattails of someone else. Like, I'm that's sorry, what I've noticed. We just have to stop here to... Uh, to just say how much I love this sweet, cool taste of Coopers. <laughs> As do I. Coopers. <laughs> Proudly South Australian. But no, you're, abso- you're absolutely But you know right. what I mean? Like, you've got to write the coattails of someone else. I mean, so one of the po- one of the podcasts that I listen to is um, called The Hamilcast, and it's it's a podcast all about Hamilton the musical, and I'm a musical theatre fan. Yep. And, um, and, uh, and, and don't get me wrong, I think they do a great job. I think it's a great podcast. It's really fascinating. It's For me as a musician, it's really interesting when they talk to particularly the musicians involved, the musical director, um, Alex Lackamore, who's one of my heroes, has just been on there. Yep. And, and listening to them talk about all that kind of stuff is, is fascinating and I love what they do. But the fact is that podcast owes a lot of its success to the fact that it's latched onto a musical, which has been one of the most successful products yeah, sure. You know, what I mean? you know what I mean? So, like, they it's been boosted by that thing. I think it's great that they've done the thing and they've made this extra thing. It's a little bit like uh, when I di- when Ben and I did uh, Tim Ferguson's comedy writing course yeah. down in Sydney. He said, and I saw him do it today because he's doing a document. Are they doing a two-part oh, the, documentary? The, the, the documentary. Das, uh, yeah. So, uh, I'm going to watch that because yeah. uh, Ted Emery, who's a classic uh, Australian comedy director, mm. came in and we gave a bit of our time so that they could film Tim doing an actual class so mm. I better be goddamn in it and, <laughs> and the thing was too is that he passed we would pass notes around and people would have turns reading things like you do oh, in, in sure. class oh sure so you could and be so in every, this everybody was reading their asses off these pretzels are yeah, making I me could, thirsty I could absolutely be in it we're, we're gonna keep an eye out okay alright I'll be but, watching it but one of his things was if you want to reach an audience mm. digitally like through YouTube mm. hashtag sex and there was, oh right and there was <laughs> and there was some there was another couple of hashtags that says, and he did it today with that dash and I was too busy at the time to comment, but I was like, I'm on to YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> He's taking his own advice. But oh, that's good. But, but you that's do. the you good do. thing about podcasts yeah. is, that, is that because that you, you can just spit them out and, and, it, and, and there are so many of them, you can mm. do specific things. Like you can do something as specific as as to do a podcast totally. all about Hamilton the musical. Uh, totally, and I think that's great. And I think what she's done is great. Um, the, the work that, that they've put into that is excellent. But I mean, you know, so that's one way that you can be successful. But I mean, the other the other thing is the um, I've recently been listening to the Teacher's Pet, which is an Australian podcast backed by the Australian, which is a newspaper. And it's investigative journalism looking into the alleged murder of a a lady in the Northern Beaches of New South Wales. And it's, um, it's, you know, that kind of thing, I think, intrigues the public. So it's either you're going to get on the back of something that is already popular or you're going to find a way. You want to do a popular podcast? Yeah. Talk about true crime. True crime, Holy yeah, massive, shit. right? Yeah, people yeah, yeah. love that. That's what I've ma- that's what I've discovered. And 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 we've uh, it's a melting pot here. Somebody just got murdered. That that, <laughs> that outside right now. Snipper has stopped. So something's going were, on out there. They're probably a cassette fan. Tune in next week to see who was murdered. <laughs> see if anybody cares about anyone murdered in Rutherford. Yeah, so, <laughs> happens every day, man. Hey, I live in Rutherford every day. You know. I've eaten at the McDonald's down did the street. Did you notice? Did you notice when you came next. to the door today? I had to unlock the screen door <laughs> to let you in. That wasn't. A, 
<laughs> that wasn't a tip not an or a coincidence. But yeah, I mean, uh, Joe Rogan's probably been the biggest influence mm. in that he's a comedian mm. and he can have one week where he has a physicist on. Yeah. The next week he has a nutritionist on that's talking shit that I have to have Jess interpret half of it yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. Then the next week he has his buddies on and they get high and drink whiskey and talk about <laughs> ridiculous crap like ranting about people who have deliberate ripped jeans. <laughs> but I, that's what really connected with me after all these different podcasts is that it can be whatever you want yes. it to be. Like today... It's always going to have my flavour uh, because it's the Graham Mills of podcast. Of course it is. I kind of wish I'd thought of a more clever name. Nah. <laughs> but but well, it, it, it states what it is. It it's works. Just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I'll have, I have you on mm. and then I'll have Bill on mm. and, and Jess and that's a completely different conversation. And I'll have James on mm. and that's a whole different mm. conversation. It, does, it definitely takes, I mean, having gone back and listened through, it definitely takes on different and and you you change the way you sort of um uh the the way you inter interact with your guests yeah. changes depending on who's on it but As i always life. i always love it for that for that reason but i mean we were also mates for years gone by yeah. as well the the thing that i was going to point out i've <laughs> i found but it's pod- not it's not a, a false me though either it's, no it's it's just different facets oh god no it's yeah, just yeah, different yeah. facets to yeah. me like if if James was here, it would be somewhere between the two. <laughs> it would be somewhere between the two. And really not that far off. I don't think there's that much difference. No, no, no. But no, yeah, absolutely. But it is interesting absolutely. listening to the Graham who did band cast with myself and Christy versus the, the JR cast uh, versus know, when like, Jess is on. Hey, let's <laughs> have some salad. <laughs> and I don't think it has anything to do with the salad consumption. But, no, no. But point taken. I found a podcast recently, which was... Um, I. <laughs> I don't know why. You know, you and I are both Billy Joel fans. Yes. We are a dying breed, apparently. I don't know. Why do people hate Billy Joel? Do you understand this? He's the establishment, man. But is it like... He's become the establishment. Has he? Okay. I think since the doo-wop days. Even during his time, he was... I don't know. I don't know. I I love Billy Joel. I think think the music he writes is phenomenal. Is is it just because people think he's derivative and rips off other people's ideas? I think Billy Joel is as individualistic and, to use a term, punk rock Hmm. as any punk rock Hmm. in that he might do doo-wop songs and Mm. pop songs and standard rock songs but he's been completely 100% true to what he wants to do he's never done any he's never put out an album that or put in any music that to sell records to go back to that Dave Grohl thing he's never been in the business of trying to sell it is interesting in that era though the way they talk about that is definitely a factor in it when they talk about how they made their music will it sell Mm. That is definitely a factor in it, but it, it, there's there's no there's definitely no um, any uh, massive ego with Billy Joel because he's he's one of the few dudes I've seen who's had massive success with songs mm. and he'll just tear them to shreds. And it's not like the Kurt Cobain thing where oh this made me popular so now it's not cool yeah, and yeah, I hate yeah. it. He's like yeah, Piano Man is just. It's a good ditty and it's a good story. I'll yes. grant you that. 
and uh, and I'll but, keep singing it for you. And and we didn't start the fire. Yes. It's just, like the, the lyrically says, oh, I I I worked three hard notes it. in the melody. But it goes, da, 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 There's a great story he tells yeah. on uh, an old inside the actor studio where he's talking about piano man. Mm. He says you'll go into it went into a bar in a, a pub in England. Mm. And he said, and they've got the, the the lounge guy there playing piano. And he he said he spots me and goes ah and starts going. And he's got the piano. And plays piano man. Goes through it, and then he sort of stops and goes. The eyes dart around. Dun 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 dun. And then he looks at me, and I shrug like, "Yep." Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. well done. <laughs> He's very self-critical. Wouldn't it be, it would be like, I, what goes through that person's mind? It's like Billy Joel walks in, well, I should play the song he's heard the most in his life and probably hates. Like if Billy Joel walked into my gig, I'd either be playing something he liked when he was younger. Like I'd be playing something that he enjoyed when he was oh, a kid. Yeah. Or I'd be playing like a, a deep cut of his. Yeah, yeah. You know, not, not like the song he plays every night. Like there's no way he wants to hear a piano man being played on his night off. Like what goes through that person's mind? But I mean, Billy Joel, I mean, I I love Billy Joel. I think, but I think a lot of people think he's derivative, but I think that's one of the good things about Billy Joel. We talk, we've, we've spoken about this many times about how he's a great imitator to the point that he came Mm. out with innocent man, which is just an entire album of him trying to sound like someone else. Yeah. James Brown. So like all those 60 singers, he's called it a singer's album. It is. I mean, Uptown Girl is him trying to do Frankie Valley in the Four yes. Seasons, and uh, uh, th- th- what's like the I song that it- sounds supposed to sound like the Drifters? Um, um, innocent, story? Innocent Man. Sorry, Innocent oh, Man yeah, yeah. is supposed to sound like Under the Boardwalk by the Drifters, yes. and like um, Tell Her About It is supposed to sound like you know Diana Ross. And, and no two albums of his really sound the same either. No, I don't. There's think a great so. bit, uh, but not being a movie guy, I'm sure you haven't seen Step Brothers. I've seen bits of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a great bit at the end there. And I was never a big Will Ferrell. This movie turned me I out. keep it's, wiping it's my testicles on drum kits as a result. Re- yeah. <laughs> really stupid movie yeah. that just clicked yeah. with me for some reason. So much room for activities. But, yeah. But at the end, at the, 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 in, the final, in the final act, they have this big, uh, this big, fe- the, the, the fucking Catalina wine mixer, <laughs> <laughs> which they just keep saying it's for it's some it's reason. It's I don't it. know. <laughs> Is this with the I'm Billy- going to sell a shit ton of, house, <laughs> of helicopters. But, is this yeah. with the Billy Joel tribute yeah, band? Yeah, they have a Billy yeah. Joel tribute band, but they specifically play 80s Billy Joel. <laughs> okay. And they have this heckler and he's like, you play something off the stranger. It's like, oh, sir, we specifically play 80s Joel. He's like, do what Joel sucks. <laughs> and the guy just ends up going, the singer ends up going off and like, like fighting this guy, <laughs> like leaping into the crowd. It's, but it's, it's just great. that one album. Like, I mean, you, you know, Nylon Curtain, as we've talked about is the is the John Lennon album very I mean, Beatlesy? Oh well, you know uh, what's the what's the song Scandinavian Skies? Oh, great song. That's that's Deep classic. Album I am the Walrus. Laura is classic. Um, I'm so tired. Well, that like, came out just after Lennon died. That that's was right. Deliberately, yeah, everyone was doing Lennon. Yeah. But I mean, uh, Glass Houses to me is the McCartney album because you know Set to is Michelle as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, the chord changes in it, the way you know, it's Now he written. messed up the French in that. Did he? Yeah. He said he went and played it for... He said... And, and he said, I wasn't lazy about writing that song. There's, sorry. For, we're getting into the deep album cuts here. Deep about Billy, Billy Joel, Joel album cuts. But, <laughs> but there's a song on his uh, 1980 album, Glass Houses, which yeah. I would argue is probably... If I had to boil it down to a favourite Billy Joel album, that'd be it. Um, 
it's when he changed over from sort of being a balladeer to that mm. 70s Elton John kind of balladeer yeah, thing yeah, to yeah, more yeah. rock and roll. It has like he may be right and stuff like that on it. Um, People talk about it being his, his best attempt at punk. Um, it's not punk. No, I don't think Billy Joel could do punk no. if he tried. He new wore a wave. leather jacket on the cover. Yeah, <laughs> that's about as close as punk. You know, new wave. But, the, but the he best, does a song. Yeah. He does a song on there, and and uh, at least half about half of it is in in French. Mm. Uh, and he does the English translation and the, the and mm. uh, which and is like so, Michelle. So, yes. Yep. Um, so he said he he went to France and played this song. And they're like, and, and you know how things get lost in translation, translation. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where something can not quite mean the, it's not a direct. You can't just directly translate it from English. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, um, it wasn't like he said, like, I am a sock. Feed me waffles with purple monkey dishwasher. <laughs> but but yeah, like a uh, couple nah, of squirrels. <laughs> no, you have that wrong. Fuck you, stupid American. Yeah. I don't care. But. <laughs> I tell you what, that's that's my understanding of uh, foreign language <laughs> is when it's in songs. Like uh, uh, Queen, what's it? Teotoriate. I can yeah. I can sing that whole thing. Yeah. I, and the only reason I know, good on there, it's like Billy Joel. The only reason I know what it means is because then they <laughs> sing it in English. <laughs> and you assume that it's the direct yeah, translation, but you right. know. Who knows? If you walk into if you walk into France and start saying, well, well to finish off, because my wife ooh, is wandering around in the background. There. Oh, oh, hello, Jess. Um, uh, Queen. Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody. They made. We haven't spoken about movie. Phil Collins yet. What are we doing? Are we going to see Phil Collins? <laughs> we kind of have. We've heard him true, through about true. how he's good at arrangements and Genesis. You know, actually, we're talking before about the nineteen eighty three self titled album Genesis, where they that's true kind of really went electronic. And went because Genesis mm. were really prog rock, very um, mm. mythical themes and very and pan yeah. flutes and all that kind <laughs> of crap. And then sort of Peter Gabriel left, and they very quickly turned into very electronic, yeah, but, uh, and pop music, which, think... which they hated at the time. They did Abercab, and people just went. They had like horn section. Uh, yeah. It was after Phil did Face Value, his say... first solo album, and they did Abercab, which was a really big turnaround, even from yeah. Duke, and the yeah. audience just went. Oh hell no! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it definitely had an impact. I think they were probably inspired by the success of Face Value. I mean, how could you not? Be? What are you expecting? Because um, uh, it was goddamn expensive. Uh, yeah. Um. Uh, everyone says this to me. They're like, "Oh, Phil Collins will be really cool." I said, "No, no, no." I said, "It's going to be like when we saw McCartney last year. Like yeah. I saw McCartney the year before." in the States while I was over visiting family in Canada. Yeah. And when we went to see him last year, I was like, listen, it doesn't matter where we sit because all you're going for is to be in the same room. That's right. As Paul McCartney. That's right. Um, because McCartney doesn't sing very well anymore. Yeah. Um, he's lost a lot of his range. And he wears a wig. <laughs> Allegedly I'm wears a wig. It. He probably doesn't, but who cares? I'm going with it. <laughs> Have you seen? He's going grey again. So I mean, he's. I think he's just stopped colouring whatever hair he's got left. Or he's. New why week. is he? Who buys a <laughs> new wig? Who buys? Who buys a grey wig? Like a minute. He must be listening sense. to the podcast. He's like, Ooh. <laughs> well, maybe we'll change the podcast now. Make as it, per my suggestion. Make it realistic. So, you know, it's the same thing with McCartney. It's like it doesn't matter where we sit because we're just going to be in the same room as him, and yep. we're going to, you know. But in the end, yeah, he can't sing. Like he used to, but he played amazingly well. And you just wanted to be there the thing to with, see him try and absolutely. do that. Absolutely, you're going yeah. to see that icon. The, the thing mm. with Phil Collins too is is that the 
range that he sits in for mm. most of his career is hard enough for someone mm. in their prime. That's right. The, it was hard enough for him in the The 80s head voice that songs. he uses, yeah. the grain in his voice, that yeah. is that is harder. Yeah. I mean, even on my good on a good day, yeah. I, I will lose my voice trying to trying to put that sound into that voice. Yeah. I, I mean, hitting the notes is hard enough, but yeah. having that that sound to it, that's 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 a hell of a, a of a thing, and I mean he's in his sixties. You yeah. just can't. You just can't. You can't. So I mean, what I'm expecting is, I mean, he, he sits in an office chair for the whole thing. I don't know if you've We've seen recently. Got a groovy kind <laughs> of love. I, I I hate that song. I, and you know what other song? Uh, Against the odds. I hate. Against oh really? The odds. Oh man, I can't stand that song. But he's gonna do it. You um, know whatever. what? I've I have taken a look at. The average. If you take a look list. at it now, is that what you've done? <laughs> I have. I did take a look at it now, um, and uh, the average set list for his shows so far, yeah, it's pretty soft. Is it? It's very uh, electric piano. Okay. Feelings. All right. All right. Phil Collins. So he's going to play Colors, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Listen, he just needs to play something happen on the way to heaven for me. And I'll be happy. Well, apparently does uh, Follow You, Follow Me. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Which is yep. their first real sort of hit as Genesis with him. I was going to say, how much Genesis stuff has he been doing? A little bit. I think there's like Invisible, Invisible Touch, Touch and stuff okay. like that. Oh, I'm happy. But, I like Follow You, Follow Me. There's something yeah. about that song. It's real nice and mellow, but it's, I don't know. It's one of those songs that just makes me feel happy. It's a good song. I, I really like that song. Uh, not as much as I love what's that Illegal Alien song that Genesis have? Illegal Alien. <laughs> it's called Illegal Alien. <laughs> Man, that's classic. That's and what like... a and what a song for the times. <laughs> they didn't even do a Trump watch there. We just did a Trump watch all in the space <laughs> of about five seconds. Hey, listen, he's going to come out and he's going to sit in an office chair and sing everything from his office chair. But, but so, there's a cool so thing. His son's cool playing drums. His son, is, yep. his son, his son Nick, Nick is playing, is playing drums. drums. That's going to be cool. Um, you'll never see Phil Collins play drums. You no, know, the last, he can't grasp he can't grip. drumsticks. I mean, you, you saw it. I know you saw it, but the, the last album he did, which was, I think was the Motown album he did, he had to yes. gaff tape the drumsticks to his hands yeah. because of his... Is it arthritis or what's he got in his hands? What happened was when Genesis went on tour in 2007 or 2009, yeah. he went hard. You yeah. go and watch the clips of him playing drums on that and he just smashes it. Yeah. And that messed him up. So he had back surgery. Yep. And... That was it. Nerve damage and stuff. Yeah, nerve damage. Like, yeah, he can't even grip the drumsticks. Which is such a... Like, it's an ironic just crime against nature. Yeah, it is. To do that. Well, here's something... I I don't know if you know about this. Um, I've been keeping my eyes out for... We were talking about Huey Lewis before. Mm. I'm an old uh, Huey Lewis Mm. fan. We won't be seeing them anytime soon. Mm. They had a relentless tour schedule. Mm. I can't think of the name of the, the illness that he has... But, Huey himself. Yeah. yeah. One night he walked out on stage. He's lost the pitch. Mm. It's an actual inner ear disease mm. where he said he came out and he's like, it sounded like a jet was taking off. It was the instruments. Mm. Some disease of his inner ear means that he can't hear pitch. Mm. So the bass just sounded like <laughs> to him. Wow. Yeah. He, he can't find pitch in his voice. He's very optimistic about being able to get over it mm. but it's been a year That's or so be tough. and mm. um and and yeah and he said uh 
I can do, I'm fine. I can do everything except the one thing that I love to do. And man, I can relate to that without getting too, without pulling the violins out. (laughs) I can relate to that because I mean, I love so many inside jokes. (laughs) (laughs) It could have been much worse. Let's be honest. The inside jokes. Considering we've known each other since 1996. It's, uh, 22 we've done, years. We've done pretty good. We skimmed we've done pretty the well. surface. Um, but getting back to Billy Joel and podcasts, which is how this whole thing started. I found a podcast, which is all about Billy Joel, because I just thought, let's see if there's a podcast that focuses is it on just Billy, Billy Joel. Joel. Is it Billy it's Joel? not Billy Joel Pretending himself. Pretending not to be Billy Joel. <laughs> he's like broadcasting from his house. He's like, it's just him yeah, playing you know innocent how man. Cool, how cool is Billy Joel? <laughs> no, it's these two people and it's, uh, they're Americans and they, one of them loves Billy Joel, the other one hates Billy Joel. And they basically work their way through <laughs> every- like the odd, the odd the couple, of, odd Billy couple Joel. of Joel. They work their way through every Billy Joel album, starting with um, uh, what's the, the 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 group he was in, the oh, H. No, before no. Attila. Oh, the Hectics. The, the Hectics. Yeah. So they start there, and then they do Attila, and they basically grade every album all the way through. So, so Damien put just as, <laughs> as just to fill that in there. Before Billy Joel was Billy Joel, uh, he did an album called Attila. <laughs> With this other guy, so it's it's him on vocals, yeah. a drummer, and he just does everything else. Everything on, else on an organ, on an organ, organ yeah. And it's and it's called and it's, it's like heavy metal. heavy metal album, nine seventy or something. It's yeah, early yeah, it's like stuff. It's like Deep Purple and it's Emerson on Lake YouTube. Palmer. Check it out. Had an aborted fetus, yeah. and it made an album. It is. It's <laughs> pretty much you have summed up that album. I said it straight to James. Uh, yeah. You're gonna love this. It's Is it work? And he just started else. sending me quotes from the lyrics. He's like, well. "It's something else." The first, the first couple of songs, you're like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah," and then by about the fourth, yeah, fifth track, like, you're yeah, like, that, "Oh, I'm done. Like, that, yeah, uh, this is enough. That's this enough. is enough. <laughs> that's enough. That's enough, Billy Joel." And it's. I read the Wikipedia page on it. It has its own Wikipedia. It is cited as being. Uh, by some magazine as the worst rock album yeah, ever I've, made. I, know. I think that's a hell of a statement. I think that is a hell of a statement. It's coherent and it's it, it is it has a, it, ha- it has a musicality to it. it. It's not. It I've does, heard worse, no. but it's terrible. The cover, the, co- oh, the, man. the cover alone is worth the price of admission. So the, the two of them, like, sta- what are they? Standing in a plan. <laughs> it's like, no, no, I'm a big fan of. The uh, cover for Twisted Sisters, yeah, uh, where he has yeah. the big, where he's with D. Schneider's in the big makeup, and he's just sure. there with a big <laughs> hock of hair, <laughs> like he's gonna and he's gonna bite, he's gonna <laughs> eat the whole thing. Uh, so, but this and it just looks ridiculous, and he's there, and he's big curly long hair, and his mustache, <laughs> and they're just standing there among giant. And they're wearing Lots like frilly necked, like you know, like medieval yeah, costume yeah, or something. Like Genghis yeah, yeah. Khan has, has yeah, wandered yeah, yeah. into a meat pack into a, into a meat cool oh, room or something. Fantastic! It's weird, but check it out on YouTube. The first couple of songs are quite good. The rest of it's a waste of time. <laughs> oh, it, it's, it's it's worth it just for the fr- value the from a value from a musician's point of view. It's exceptional because the way they're playing, it's two guys. Like oh, it is a drummer. Who was the drummer in the Hectics, and then Billy Joel doing everything else, like, which is so strange for him to man. go go from that to like, yeah, like yeah. I said, the balladeer. Yes, very uh, yeah, and even you know that the Hectics, it, it is the Hectics, isn't it? The yes, band that he was in. the Hectics were this like soul R and B, 
you know, thing. Yeah, like, which he didn't really... Didn't get a chance to actually get a listen to He that, didn't but... really come back to that until Innocent Man was doing, you know, tell her about it and that kind of thing. So, I mean, that's... Um, you know, they're, they're doing like, you know, Wilson Pickett type stuff. Right. Um, yeah. And 60s R&B. His and, range of influences. Yeah. Good, definitely. And then he goes and does Attila, which is this, like you say, <laughs> it is it is Emerson, Lake and Palmer meets Deep Purple. Um, a, a beaded fortis. A, a beaded fortis. <laughs> a boarded fetus. That, well, keep that. That's on tape. That is a band okay, name. Save that. that. You can keep that a one out there. Fortis. A, Attila, that. a beaded fortis. That's the name of the album. Um, it is very much like that. But I mean, the fact that he is playing bass with his left hand, he's comping all the it's rhythm impressive. stuff. He's soloing. Taking else, some pretty, it's, it's some pretty damn amazing organ work. As a keyboard player, I liked it for that reason. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, dude, I'm going to wee myself. So yeah. <laughs> we've come in at a good uh, 2, 20, two hours and 20 minutes. Great. You'll edit that down to a solid half an hour. Oh, hell no. Two episodes. <laughs> no, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Put the whole thing up. Right, thanks so much, dude. It's, it's been, been a pleasure. Great. No, it's been a pleasure. Let's do it again soon. All right. See you next time. Stay tuned for our Back to the Future um, yes, commentary. Yes, more commentaries. Yeah. More commentaries. <laughs> All right. We'll catch you next time. See ya.